0: Welcome to the Movie Podcast, my name is Anthony, and thank you all for joining us today. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Daniel and Shay. How are you guys? Doing well. That was,
1: uh, he attacked that. He attacked our names. He, I don't, I, I honestly, I felt threatened.
2: There was honest. a
0: little bit of uh, enthusiasm with <laughs> just that. Just a little bit, man. Well, 2020
2: has introduced
0: enthusiasm to you. Yeah, That's I'm amazing. just getting into 2020 right now. <laughs> you just you
2: just unwrap the calendar at home. Yeah.
0: Jeez, but uh how are you guys good. good it's
1: uh it's been an interesting week i mean politics aside i mean there's been some good news this week there's yeah. been some bad news obviously but also on the politics side mm. i feel like it's been 10 years worth of news yeah. in one week within like 24 hours yeah, yeah. It's, like, <laughs> yeah I, it's like yeah it's like it's like there's like what can you say like Debate, tax return, COVID, 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 COVID. You want COVID? You got COVID. Everyone,
2: Everyone. There's just so much COVID going on right now. Like when you're looking at these lists, it looks like a video game co- character
0: selection screen. Like it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's literally like who doesn't have it? Yeah. Within
1: point? the Republican Party. Uh,
0: yes. Is that a cough?
1: That was a kafu. Yeah. Oh, it was a kafu.
0: I don't uh, trust him no. anymore. Okay. Yes. Why that cough was suspicious? Just Suspect cause,
2: just because there's a little blood coming out of my mouth. It's just normal. That's how I've You're always bleeding coughed. from the eyes. <laughs> that's also normal.
1: I don't think that's a... that's not a symptom of COVID.
2: I think that's something is. Else. I am possessed by <laughs> the devil. Oh great! Happy um, Halloween.
0: <laughs> how are you though, Anthony? I'm doing well. Yeah, this week was um, was you know wild and crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, every week is something new. You know, and I enjoy it a little bit. There's a little bit. There's a part of me that kind of loves the drama
2: yeah it, it, you know
0: what? It's sad at, but it's true
1: it's you know what at this point of 2020 we have about um 12 weeks left of this of this hellscape of a of a year mm-hmm. um every week like you said i think i'm like Whatever happens, you just you just roll with it at this point. I think next year is just gonna be twenty twenty part
0: two. That's you it. think so? Yeah, like like Dustin Timberlake's twenty twenty literally with a with a vengeance though, or no Ooh, vengeance. Well,
2: next year, I don't know. Next year might come at us pretty hard in the beginning and then maybe mellow out towards the end. But I, I definitely think next year has some tricks up its sleeve. Do
1: you think... So, like, you know that, like, Thanos me of, like, perhaps I treated you too harshly. Like, with yeah, people yeah. looking at 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Yeah, okay. Do you think people will ever look back at 2020 and be like, you know what? Maybe it wasn't such a bad year.
0: No. No, no, 2020 has been just disgustingly awful. It's been relentless. Like, the amount of ambiguity in this year oh, okay. is, <laughs> is is... Like you wouldn't even know what you were doing five months from now. Like things could drastically change. <laughs> I don't know in, what I was doing in five instant. minutes ago. To be honest with you, you every know?
2: every other year, I probably could have guessed where I'd be in the next month or the next month after that. This this year, I can't even tell what I'm going to do tomorrow. I think tomorrow, no. like I, my house could be on fire. Like it's sure. that crazy.
1: We could wake up tomorrow and be like, "Hey, you know what? We're aliens." Sure. Yeah. You could, you, could,
2: you could literally tell I'm me tomorrow for that. that there's no podcast and that we've been just recording to empty space this whole time. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you could, you could. Uh, no, and I believe it it. could. That could but that's
1: saying it wasn't. There is nothing that could surprise us at this point. There was, yeah. there
2: was a picture I saw the other day. It was, it was, uh, it was a meme, and it was a, a, a branch on the ground and it looked like a giant spider. I don't like that. And it, I, it, you know what? The worst part is, I looked at that and I am like, oh, giant spiders. That's that sounds about right. And the meme literally said that at this point in twenty twenty, when I saw this giant tree branch on the ground and I assumed it was a giant spider I didn't flinch I just assumed it was normal (laughs) and that's exactly how I felt I was like oh yeah okay yeah I guess we're at that stage that makes sense yeah yeah
0: as always, <laughs> you can catch a new episode of the Movie Podcast every Monday across all your favorite podcast services or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I like when they say, anywhere you find podcasts. Could yeah. be like in the freaking dumpster.
1: Well, I <laughs> usually find them in like, my pocket
0: sometimes. Yeah.
1: No, we say on your favorite podcast services because we want to be something that's your favorite, we want to be there.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, if you want to be part of the show and give us your comments, suggestions and corrections, head over to thistimewith.com slash talk. You can also follow us at The movie podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and join our Discord. Check out our show notes for all those links and more. Announcements. (laughs) Announcements. (laughs) We have. (laughs) These are bad announcements. Ladies (laughs) and gentlemen, this morning's announcements are commentaries. We have our Game Night Sicario Spider Man 2002. All available on the movie podcast feed. We Th- ha- those are all separate commentaries. That's by the one way. movie we so just You can play Imagine. this commentary
1: for either one of these movies and it'll it'll work.
0: <laughs> you can also catch up on our Black Lives Matter, DC fandom, and interview with Kevin Lima, director of a goofy movie, Tarzan, and Enchanted, and more. You can also listen to The Last of Us Part 2 spoiler cast available now. Reviews on Console Wars, TIFF 2020, Tenant, and New Mutants. And we're gonna I'm gonna send it over to Mr Quotable Movies himself, Shay, for our bracket update. Hey, 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 sports fans. How you guys doing out there? <laughs> Some sports music. Yeah, right it, now.
2: it felt like that. It was like we're go over to Shay. Boop 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 Oh, that was good. I like that. Uh so our bracket has reached the end. We we had our finals for the most quotable movie and our fans have voted. Who was in the finals, Shay? Our finals included the forty year old Virgin and 21 jump street <laughs> <laughs> and you know what i'll be honest to my surprise and i'm it's a happy surprise 21 Jump Street came out on top. Congratulations. Congratulations to all those. If you want to add a little, uh, you know, clapping and yeah. an audience there, Yeah, that'd be audience sound would be great. <laughs> Maybe a drum roll before I even started. good Yeah. Was yeah. Yeah, yeah. that it all Not eh? at all then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm really happy to see that they won. I, I obviously love 21 Jump Street. Yep. Did not think it'd make it past, you know, all those rounds, but I'm so happy to see that it did. Yeah. I'm
1: glad that the movie hit a lot of notes for a lot of people. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I think at the beginning of this bracket we were talking and I was like I would, like we'd love to see it going far, go far, but like you saw what movies were in this bracket. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been doing this what since August or September. Yeah, uh, some so months. like we've it, like it beat. did you say seven months? Some some months. Oh, I don't know which ones. <laughs> uh, like it beat like not that it went up against them head to head, but like the Dark Knight was there, Godfather was there. Like there was a lot of heavy hitter, mm-hmm. quotable movies and it, Gump, made Gump. Gump, and it and it and it went through. And so. I really thought that Anchorman would actually
2: take it because that I I'm surprised even Mean Girls. You know, that also is a very quotable yeah. film. but and it was just October 3rd as well, It too. was just October 3rd. Do we have a new bracket? That's we, will, we will be having a new bracket, and it'll have horror movies. Horror with an H. Horror with an H, and an or at the end of it. So, are you? is it going to be horror movies, or is it going to be Halloween movies? So, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I think we're going to do it horror. Yeah. Oh, boy. Horror. But, you know, like... Whatever you want, like go to the movie podcast. Uh, sorry, go to with dot com slash talk and and submit your favorite horror movies, and maybe they'll make the list. And I, you know, we what we do is we all sub, uh, submit our own, and then we kind of aggregate them together. Cool, cool. Yeah, cool, that cool, sounds cool.
1: good. What what else is going on this week, Anthony?
2: So
0: this week we have a special guest appearance, and that is none other than composer Nathan Johnson is going to be joining us on next week's episode of the movie podcast um nathan johnson is the composer for knives out
1: knives out he what a lo- great movie looper looper uh brick mm-hmm. uh so many so, so many. many yeah so many movies we're yeah.
0: super excited to have him on and to answer all our questions about star wars <laughs> 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 the move the one movie ryan johnson directed that he
1: didn't compose for <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's dope like nathan nathan's a, a really cool guy like him and I have spoken a few times on Twitter throughout the years, because he's he's usually in Toronto for TIFF, um, but it's dope that he's going to come on the show, so it's going to be a really fun conversation with him. So that's perfect for Thanksgiving next week. That's going to be our Thanksgiving episode. So while
0: you're eating your turkey, you can be listening to us talk.
2: Yeah. He also did the uh, the score for Don John and Infamous Second Son. That's awesome. Hmm.
0: Cool. Dope. But for today's episode, we actually have TIFF20 producer and editor Adam Scholes, joins us to talk about how the festival happened during the pandemic and much much more
2: yeah that was a great conversation that we had with adam so really glad that he was on the show with us yeah yeah
0: so look forward to Give that, us later. that insight <laughs> you guys ready
1: let's do it so i thought you were going to say let's get into the news but, but he asked if you're ready yeah but so you weren't ready and you said I-, yes. I was ready for him to say let's get into the news oh
2: it's a lot of excuses, Anthony. What are your judges' ruling? It's just a lot of excuses, yeah. Is it? Yeah. But you didn't
1: mm-hmm. introduce what was coming though. But they our I audience
0: reckon. knows it's the news.
1: Right. But th- you didn't say it was the news though? That could have been the that could have been the Nathan Johnson Ooh, call.
0: Is, what kind of debate is this? Are right? we on <laughs> the same team or are we not on the same team?
1: <laughs> this is the this is the debate that just happened last week. Wrong.
0: Um Let's get into the news. Let's get into the news. (laughs) First order of business, The Lion King follow-up in the works with director Barry Jenkins. This is coming from Rebecca Rubin and Brent Lang, of variety. Disney is returning to the Pride Lands for a follow-up to The Lion King. Barry Jenkins, the filmmaker behind Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk, will direct the upcoming feature based on the beloved family classic. Helping my sister raise two young boys during the 90s, I grew up with these characters, Jenkins said. Having the opportunity to work with Disney on expanding this magnificent tale of friendship, love, and legacy, while furthering my work chronicling the lives and souls of folks within the African diaspora, is a dream come true. The movie will be a continuation of the studio's 2019 photorealistic remake. Sources say the new movie will partly focus on the early years of Mufasa, the regal father of Simba, Whose, whose death forms the emotional heart of the first film and its remake. So, Daniel, how do you feel about Barry Jenkins directing the sequel to The Lion King? This is not Lion King 1.5. This is no. a true sequel. This is
1: Lion King point 0.5, I guess. That's point, it's a
0: pretty yeah, cool. it's a point yeah.
1: 0.5. So, that, that's what the rumors saying. But I was really surprised with this news. like, Because I think something that we've always kind of said about these Disney live-action remakes is like... Let's let's explore some new grounds. Let's maybe not just tell the same story. Let's try and tell a, a different story or be unique. It's cool like like we've we've spoken a lot about the Lion King and our kind of our thoughts on it. I don't think um I was really excited for John Favreau's Lion King. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just think that a lot of the magic that made the animated film such a classic was missing because they went for such a photorealistic take on it um but i thought that like the voice cast or the cast in it they all did like a good job the thing that interests me most about this is that it's barry jenkins like Mm -hmm. that's that's a very unique choice and i think that's a very distinct choice a distinct voice that you're getting for this barry jenkins obviously did moonlight and appeal street talk you have somebody Mm -hmm. who's coming from a lot smaller films so i'm hoping uh he's gonna bring of distinct voice to this right. prequel whatever it's going to be. Right, like right. I'm 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 down to see these characters again and I'm I'm just curious to see what it's going to look like through his eyes. Yeah, no I I agree with you 100%. I think Barry Jenkins is a
2: very unique choice, but I'm very excited for him because I think he's a really brilliant director. Yeah. Um I'm glad they're also treading new ground with this too because they're not, you know, creating like Simba's Pride, which I mean is not not everyone's favorite, or you know, you look at it. It's it's more of a straight to DVD film release. Um, I am curious though, because you know you had such amazing voice actors for the Lion King. You had Donald Glover. You had Beyonce Knowles. You had Seth Rogen um, and Billy Eichner. So these characters that we love and you know want to see again, we're not going to. So we're going to get all these new characters, pretty yeah. much from you know Mufasa's past. Does that mean that James Earl Jones
1: is coming back? Yeah. Does
2: that mean that? would tell your
1: is coming yeah. back for is, uh, is uh, uh James Oliver uh, is James, James uh, Oliver
2: John Oliver John Oliver why I say James back. Yeah. It, back, Azaz- back yeah John Oliver coming back is coming back
1: to um you know who who did the um, Sarabi wasn't it uh Alfred uh what's her uh, sorry Alfred Um, Alfred Woodward i can look it up Isn't it, it Yes yeah Alfred Alfred Woodward, Woodward yeah. um who who did the voice of um Serabi, Serabi, yeah. So like, you had a stacked cast in mm-hmm. that.
0: Well, I think movie, I think right. that a lot of those characters that were part of Mufasa's, um, we'll say, executive team, yeah, <laughs> um, will be part, yeah. but in a younger form.
1: Do you think like, do you think this? So like, I don't know if this whole thing's going to be a prequel. Do you think they're going to like Godfather part to it, or it's like, here's the story going forward a little bit with Simba. But also let's see let's see how mufasa came to america I think be a dope you know way to do it
0: yeah um. <laughs> i want to learn how scar got his scar that would yeah, be yeah i feel like we would see that yeah, yeah. and we, like that relationship
2: cat. like i think they're gonna do a whole you know sam Al jackson nick fury thing where just another cat scratched him. Just cat scratch him. oh like a that's a mini,
1: mini cub <laughs> what we learn why he doesn't like singing he just likes doing like slam poetry like just he did in, in the... <laughs> waving
0: yeah what what, what story what story would you want to come out of this um sequel ah, man. I don't know Like, we, I don't want to see like baby Mufasa yeah I don't <laughs> you know either. what I mean
2: Like, yeah. we, I'm gonna be a king <laughs>
1: <laughs> my son's gonna want to be a king like, you know what I mean Like, I, it would be cool to see like I don't know how. I don't, it's weird because we're thinking of this I'm like yeah I want to see how we meet Sarabi I'm like yeah these are just lions they were probably in the same yeah they're just like they were, he the, probably ate her husband, husband or <laughs> <laughs> and, then, yeah, and then she had to marry him after you know he was oh, no, the only man had had I don't know why she sounds like an old British woman now but um, yeah I, I mean it's, it's interesting a bit by, again Barry Jenkins directing this that's the interesting thing he's here. going for a very high intensive
2: computer animated film yeah coming from very practical indie films mm-hmm. and i think those kind of directors usually do such a kick-ass job on it yeah
1: because they do all the investment and research into how it works yeah before they do it and i think when you when you think of it too like the way they shot lion king was so much of it was with vr mm-hmm. that it essentially is like working on a set at that yeah. point so he could take this and maybe do something like look at when ryan coogler took on black panther you know, like that yeah, was. It would the, be very similar. To it that. was like a. Here's this guy that has done smaller films, and he did yep. Creed, obviously, which is a little bit bigger, but still not like a. But still, a visual effects piece. You know, a very like practical film. Film. so where he went to this giant CG CG film, but I think, like, even with Lion King, like so much of these assets and everything are made. I think they have the entirety of like Africa built in a computer somewhere well, now.
2: Think about the Rousseau brothers, for example.
1: Right. Like they literally
2: were doing just TV shows and things. Yeah, and then boom. Captain America, Avengers—they're like yeah. biggest movies of, ever. Yeah, <laughs> right. Those guys do great, and those people do great that take on these kind of roles. And um, I even look at uh, Kathy, the one who directed um, *Birds to Prey*. Uh, is it Kathy Yen? Kathy Yan, I believe. Yeah. I'm gonna—I'll double check for sure so we can make sure we. Uh, but yeah, she also coming from much smaller films or i think even no film and then all of a sudden boom you're making this gigantic big budget film yeah. and she did a great job in my opinion
1: that's like the that's a marvel studios playbook right there because yeah. like literally marvel's like look at chloe zhao Kathy as well N, too yes Anna, and then chloe zhao who did uh nomadland at uh yeah at tip this year which was like got to people's choice was a huge film and she directed eternals for the Marvel, mm. like Marvel always goes after those up and coming. I think Disney's now like, hey, let's start getting like these unique voices because one, it's only going to make our films better, right. and also two, it's going to give these directors now a lot more clout to get bigger budgets. And like again, I always think back to look at Nolan back in the day. Nolan literally started out doing like these smaller films, got pulled to do a superhero movie, and now he's directing these giant films. Mm-hmm. Or not, not even that they're just big films; they're just they trust him they're like here take the he money make us the movie control. you yeah. know right. and i think i think
0: we need to see that more with director driven films yes yeah. let's move on to some other news disney plus's miss marvel finds a star in iman velani and this is coming from aaron couch of THR marvel studios has found its miss marvel newcomer iman velani has nabbed the role of the teenage superhero who will headline her own disney plus series before appearing on the big screen in Marvel films. Marvel had been testing actors throughout the summer and had land- and had landed on Villani by late August or early September, sources say. The Canadian actor hails from Toronto area and a year ago took part in a Toronto International Film Festival committee, committee that helped highlight films that speak to teenagers. She focused on Hala, a film centering on a Pakistani-American teen pulled between her family and the life in the West. Themes that are echoed in the *Miss Marvel comic. Shay, I know you shared your your, your thoughts about *Miss um, Marvel being casted last week. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about a Toronto-based... Um, I believe she's Pakistani. Yeah. Um, being cast cast <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah.
2: you were trying to I feel like you were going to be politically correct about it the whole way through yeah. Shay, <laughs> you were Shay you're a Pakistani man Shay uh, as, a, as a man <laughs> uh, Pakistani,
3: uh, <laughs> I Picasso, <sort> of the Pakistani Pakistani
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, like, uh, <laughs> like, he, like, like he met me for the first time Shay here, oh, uh, Miss um, um, <laughs> Marvel am I saying that right by the way <laughs> Uh, no, this is awesome. I, I think I'm more surprised that she's from Toronto. Yeah, that, that absolutely blew my mind. This is wicked news. I mean, I'm, I'm you know I have all the power to her, Iman Velani, and I, I hope that she does an amazing job. And at the same time, th- this character of Miss Marvel has been so popular recently. Yep. that we're definitely gonna start seeing her more in the movies, and she's already in the games. So definitely gonna be a very interesting thing that happens. Uh, all the power to her. I mean, hopefully one day we can get her on the show, and we'd love to talk about. You know, Canadian films and and how she's finding this big transition. She's moving literally from, I don't know what she's done
1: here, into now Marvel. Yeah. I mean, like, her life is obviously, her life changed this week. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's amazing to see. And again, like, this is another Canadian joining the MCU at this point. So it's dope to see that. It's another. Canadian, it's a Canadian yeah, takeover, Simu Liu, right? Yep, and yeah. uh, and like we have like Colby Smolders in there as well too. Yeah, um, and there's others that I'm blanking on right now, but it, it's great to see that. And honestly, like this this is amazing. Like you have this young actress; she's up and coming. This this role is going to define Miss Marvel for so many people, the way same way that Iron Man was defined by Robert Downey Jr. and Thor by Chris Hemsworth and mm-hmm. Captain America by Chris Evans. That's what's really cool about Marvel right now is that a lot of these characters. These are the first time these characters are being put to film or put to a series. And I love that Marvel's like, you know what? Like this is Kamala Khan. This is her heritage. This is who she is. This is the Miss Marvel that we want to tell. This is the story we want to tell with her. And she's not only going to be in these shows, but she's also going to be a character in these movies. So we're going to see her grow up and develop as this character as well, too. Mm -hmm. Um, It's dope. It's, it's um, It's honestly great to see.
0: I think this version of Miss Marvel is will say the version of Spider-Man for the new generation. Yeah, you know, she represents quite a bit, not only just for um, for Pakistanians, but like for all types of immigrants to be on um, to coming to America type of storyline and being becoming a superhero. You know, with Spider Man back in the day, it was just like you know that nerd who was always bullied. But mm-hmm. now this the, that that whole dynamic that 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 plot has changed. This is what people are facing in America right now, right? yeah, and the rest of the world. Um, but yeah, I'm super stoked that she's Canadian and we have another Canadian star in the Marvel um, realm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Hala too. Uh, Hala is uh, Apple original. Uh, documentary is that
1: the of, one that uh, that you're referencing yeah that's oh, nice. the Apple yeah. original show so if you want to watch that you can on Apple TV plus right now
2: yeah I know for Pakistanis everywhere this is a huge deal like we like my told my mom and she was pretty pumped you know so it, it's definitely gonna bring more I think at the end of the day when you when you want to also have more people watch your stuff you want to really diversify that crowd and 100 mm-hmm. percent now my family who's maybe you know
1: cared about marvel but not so much they're invested they're like oh we're on board like let's see what we can get and and at the end of the day like you know we'll have you'll have like people who are like oh they're just trying to like be diverse like no that's not about this like how many times do you want to see like like, and like this oh oh, this not even just like make it about like a white character but like how many times do you want to see the same character adapt to the screen Right. right there's literally hundreds of thousands of characters in comic books and I love that Marvel is at a point right now because we have such an established universe mm-hmm. or like guys, let's 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 build this universe. Like yeah. we have like Kamala is going to be a character. That's a huge fan of the Avengers. If they're really going by like um, the, the the recent comic book, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's going to be huge, like fangirl of the Avengers and who they are and what they do. And we have a world that these movies have happened already yeah. in. Right. So it's, it's going to be cool to see her like be a fan of that. And like, just, yeah. just just, grow into that and become a character and a hero of her own so this is dope it's yeah, awesome. written by
0: a female as well yeah yeah so this is like this is huge for the, the when they designed kamala's character it wasn't you know for the movies it was for storytelling it was started in comics like this was a niche type of project that blew up because it was so well written and the character was so loved from all spectrums of the comic book community mm-hmm. and they thought you know what this is she's gonna grow bigger and bigger and bigger and she became that spider-man for that the new generation mm-hmm. and now she gets her own show damn right mm-hmm. yeah yeah g willow wilson yeah is the writer like the the, the most the most recent kind of interpretation of miss marvel that's been uh
1: that they're i guess they're basing this kamala off of so and
0: for sure we're gonna get a miss marvel cameo or and captain, captain marvel. marvel sorry oh for sure um brie larson is we got do, it because got she it. did show up in in the comics mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you know so um moving on to some interesting news spider-man 3 jolt jamie fox returning as electro and this is coming from good our good old boy boris kit boris <laughs> Kitt. mr boris thr the thr man um the next Spider-Man movie is getting a major jolt. Jamie Foxx, who played classic Spidey villain Electro in Andrew Garfield's starring The Amazing Spider-Man 2, is in final talks to repraise the role of, for the latest Spider-Man installment, starring Tom Holland and being made by Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures. Fox confirmed on Instagram he was returning to the role. Super excited to be part of the new Marvel Spider-Man new installment, Fox wrote Friday and I won't be blue in this one. <laughs> God. What? So, I, 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 we're going to talk about it, but this is so super interesting. Uh, but a thousand percent badass. He later deleted the post. John Watts, a filmmaker behind the Homecoming and last year's Spider-Man Far From Home, is in the director's chair for the third installment, which Sony has dated for December 17th, 2021. Daniel, how do you feel about Jamie Foxx showing back up, in the Marvel Universe, as Electro, Shay, you know the quote I'm thinking of right now. Say it. to <laughs> <candles. laughs>
1: <laughs> It's my birthday. Uh, why? Like I saw this and I was just like, like Jamie Foxx is a great actor. Yeah. Not taking anything away from him. But when I think back to the Amazing Spider-Man and how not, not amazing that not amazing that film was, he's not a character in that film that I was like, you know what character I really want to see back jamie fox's electro because yeah. he was arguably one of the worst parts of that movie yeah um and sure he can maybe not be blue this time again this isn't confirmed by like marvel or anything like that and he deleted the post which is interesting too so i don't know what's up with that maybe he will be blue maybe he will be blue. like no oh, no man. you gotta be blue uh, oh oh jamie dude you're fucking blue in this one too man uh it's an interesting choice for sure i mean like People were like, oh, this gotta mean this has to mean like it's a multiverse. I'm like, maybe, but they also brought J.K. Simmons back. I think they just maybe want to bring back actors that they like for But then again, roles. J.K. Simmons could also mean that it is a multiverse because we have we don't know anything about that either. Right. right? So but, but it could just be them. Yeah. like hey, but it also he, could be that too. He's uh the actor that we all associate exactly. with him, so we may as well bring exactly. him. Exactly. But I don't think there's nothing about
0: Electro that I think Jamie Fox. No, you right. You know what I mean? He wasn't memorable enough to be that that.
2: He's memorable for the wrong reasons. In my yeah. Right, right.
0: I'm yeah. like, yeah, remember how
1: he was blue and he had like weird like electric teeth in that movie and And just he, the
2: his character in the beginning was so like so joel schumacher cammy with yes uh, can't be sorry with the whole you know like i love spider-man so much i'm gonna i don't know what he's like <laughs> he tyson i think he had a bit
1: of a lisp in
0: them and, and he's he he like, playing mike tyson he was
1: yeah right sorry
2: maybe that's why he was preparing for the role yeah but
1: he but he like it was like overly like he hammed it up so much so much um and i don't know what it is like literally every spider-man villain until homecoming had that like internal inner like monologue. inner monologue like i'm battling with myself literally uh uh, Green Goblin did it. Uh, Doc Ock did it. Uh, Venom and um, Harry was talking to himself too. He I think it's Spider Man three.
2: You are like, I'm Spider Man?
1: I <laughs> oh, was sound like and that. Then no. Doctor Curt Connors <laughs> in uh, uh, Amazing Spider Man one had it, oh, and then right. Electro had like. I'm like, why? Why did they have to make every single character in Spider Man like be battling lonely. like mental illness? They're lonely, you know.
0: Like, yeah, I would why? say Goblin would be the the only one that I would kind of. Cause give he, him the pass right he's, he's, he's insane
1: yeah. yeah or even venom
0: you know and like, venom yes because he has two characters but, within like, him
1: every character is just like no we gotta we gotta give exposition and we gotta make it like we gotta give them more scenes. It's Like they have no one else to talk to yeah. you
2: know <laughs>
0: except for them, like-, like i can't truly say i watched that amazing spider-man because i i haven't but i know the scenes that you're talking about yeah. and just how Awful. campy he did look as electro um i just don't know where they're gonna go with it or it it seems like it's a multiverse Type of storyline, yeah,
2: or which, like are they I, they
0: trying to do like a you know they're trying to like make up for it. Here's the thing: Does Tobey Maguire show up?
1: I he mean, does. like if, it'd be she dope. Does. Like honestly, like if it was a like again, like I don't He's want not doing th- anything. But I just don't know He's, why they yeah. they haven't been building to a multiverse though in the movies, right? Like yeah. they I, they had been like on the Doctor Strange side maybe in like with different like time yeah. like with different time traveling and stuff, but like there hasn't been anything in the Spider Man or World. Spider-Verse you maybe. know that if type anything of they've been building like the Sinister Sticks a little bit with like um Vulture um and then Scorpion as well too and like uh Mysterio wasn't Have in Sinister you Yeah, Scorpion? We, he was uh, he was um, on oh, the boat. He had like the, Scorp- Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah, yeah he's right. a and guy Shocker was there too, sorry, you're right. Yeah, Shocker as well and yeah, the guy I forget his name but he was in um Better Call Saul and a bunch of stuff. I think he's Canadian as well actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot um, about Scorpion, you are right. Uh yeah, so like they've been kind of building it that way. Um, and right. then, like, our, is Morbius part of this? Morbius, because Michael Keaton was yeah, in that? Yeah, like, like, it's what? such a mess. Here's my thing. So, uh, the other
2: day, um, I didn't add it to my list of movies I watched because I didn't actually finish or even try watching it more than I should have. But uh, Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 1 was on, and I gave it about 30 minutes. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, I still do not like this film. Like, I, I kept <laughs> trying. I was like, oh, no, you want Maybe, like, I'll look at it at a different lens and just... It was just, I think, it was making me upset while watching it. So right? Like, okay, you know what? Not today. Maybe, maybe never. Who knows? But I, I own them, so maybe I'll, I'll try again once more, sometime soon. Yeah. But this week it wasn't that maybe, week. Michael Mando. Maybe you should get like, like high. and yeah. Watch it because maybe I, that's the only I, way I was you half could do it. high. If that helps. Oh no! Yeah, it's all the way, all the way. No, you got to be all the way. Mm-hmm. What if I hate it more? But here is the thing. At, at the end of the day, Jamie Foxx's Electro was not a good part of that film. It was probably the worst part of that film. And yet he's coming back. So I'm trying to think here. Okay, are they trying to literally attach that character, or is there no
1: one else that wants to play this character?
0: Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know.
1: They, they. I. This is the thing. Marvel Studio. I. You know. I give Marvel Studios a lot of a lot of rope, a lot of a lot of slack. Mm-hmm. Like, I trust what you're doing. If yeah. this is if this is what's going to happen, I'm. You haven't let me down. Right. I'm. I'm going to trust you with this. Right. But also, why?
2: Yeah, why? Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: why not Craven? Where where is Craven? Yeah, we've already seen Electro. Yeah, we've already seen Electro. We haven't seen real Shocker yet. Who's not really like a huge.
1: We I think we saw him like enough that I'm like I don't think we. Yeah, he's a like Shocker. he's such a, like
0: a like a shitty villain really. Yeah. But he's still a Spider-Man villain. But Craven yes. being Craven's a, a big one, a huge one. Um, and then Venom, which is you know there's. He has his own movie. There's that. Or, but Venom is a huge Spider Man villain right. or anti villain. I don't know what to call him. But um Yeah. And I
1: don't think they would do I don't think they would do Venom in like this incarnation of Spider Man yet because also like,
2: Tom Hardy's Venom
1: yeah I don't think they'd do, there's no way they do Tom Hardy's Venom I don't know
2: man again unless now we're it's like, seeing Michael Keaton in Morbius oh God, so what is does why that mean I don't mean? like what
1: Sony's
0: doing
2: this is like <laughs> what Sony? does this mean don't you uh,
0: wish you were a fly in the wall just yes, figuring yeah. out like what do you like what what does your your meeting here st- I want to know what's happening yeah, yeah tell me like, I mean, that's, what's that's, the end result unless, what's
1: the Unless I see it on that 10 year span, that Marvel Studios phase four, th- this is what's part of it. That's what the only th- that's like my yeah. tunnel vision. Like, if unless it's on there, I don't consider that part of it, right? You know,
0: the, I think the way I look at it is it's spite like if it is a spider verse, there's a lot of money. Like, that alone oh, yeah. is an adventure end game sure. type of um box office box straw. office draw. So if you do blend in these Spider-Man characters for all these different verses, the multiverses, and I don't know, tie in Venom somehow, they can draw in a little bit, of, a lot of money. But I don't know if the story is going to be there.
1: Just because it doesn't feel like we've built to that, yeah, you know, because we're going to get more Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, yeah. And I just feel like, oh, for a third Spider-Man movie, I'm like, we're going to have like these, this, this multiverse collapsing type thing i like i
0: don't i don't feel do you, like they have built it do that. you think tom holland will do three more after yeah. so six spider-man i films?
1: think i literally think they'll sign him like after this they'll sign like a huge deal with him i got this feeling that they're going to sign like a big multi-picture deal and um things for him to appear in like Dis- so. disney plus series like not that he'll get a series but i'm saying he could appear yeah yeah in miss marvel he could appear in she hulk he could appear in you know like wasn't it like a, y-
0: a year ago like this no, time
1: this year wasn't it it was th- literally this time last year that we're like Just spider-man's right. back he's back because it was back? august he yeah, left right. and then end of september yes, october right. he came back yeah, yeah 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 what
0: a time guys what, a, what time. a year it's been let's move on to our last story and this is probably our biggest story of um of this episode cineworld to close all regal cinemas UK Venues in Response to No Time to Die Delay. And this is coming from Minori Ravindaran from Variety. Cineworld is shuttering all 543 of its regal cinema venues in the US and all cinemas across the UK and Ireland coming in this coming week. Just days after James, Bond, James Bond's film No Time to Die was pushed back till April 2021. Variety understands from sources that the chain will close all sites in both countries as early as this week, with staff notified ahead of Monday. Regal is the second largest domestic chain in the US, while Cineworld is the UK's biggest cinema operator. The Cineworld closures will put up to 5,500 jobs at risk in the UK. It's believed Cineworld's staff had not yet been informed of the company's decision to close as of Saturday evening UK time, oh.
1: and they haven't, as of the recording of Sunday night hour time, have not been informed yet. No.
0: Unless if they, this is to happen, unless they've read like Variety, right? right. Now. They've read it through tweets.
2: They read it through Minori Ravindran. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Shay, oh boy, how do you feel about this?
2: I'm absolutely like heartbroken. This is a very gut wrenching moment. I mean, losing a job is never. I mean, unless you really want to lose your job, I guess, but it's never a good thing, and this is. Uh, <laughs> This is just it's just rough. It's at the end of the day, it's a huge blow. I mean, can I be honest, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Because cinemas have been feeling the drought. They've been feeling the burn of it everything that's happened. So it sucks. And I and I truly hope all these people land back on their feet. Um, but man, Cineworld was so close to buying Cineplex, and that's always what kind of yeah rings to me whenever i yeah. think of the world's words in the world that's
0: what i like laugh about in a bit it's like this company was about to buy cineplex now they can't even stay open yeah they might go bankrupt and it's all due to fucking james bond's no time to die
2: do we know <laughs> if it's an official like shutdown complete or is it okay we gotta shut down for a bit keep it just there and then when hopefully things are go back to normal whichever whatever that means then we'll be back is that I, is that like, or like is the way it indefinite?
0: they they way they they worded, uh, it? worded it? It's like when movies are back in business to be distributed, which it looks like is going to be 2021.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is like here March. Though kind of the baked in news to this as well too, obviously, which we touch on in new dates. Right, Bond has been delayed. Yeah, right. Bond is now coming out April second, 2021. That was the final film this year major film i should say to really get pulled i mean wonder woman is still slated for december 25th which is not dune is still slated for december with all these movies being delayed black widow soul we don't know what's happening yet there's no way in hell those movies are opening up on christmas we are in hell hell. and even in in hell those theaters (laughs) won't open up yeah um and we're talking about five thousand five hundred over five thousand five hundred jobs here mm-hmm. these people not making money um it's upsetting and it makes me angry not not because like obviously these studios have options, but they're not options that will make the money mm-hmm. and at the end of the day it's it's a big ripple effect and if theaters uh, studios don't want to release movies to v- video on demand because obviously they don't make as much money right right and that's fine and i get that even if they did release them on vod theaters aren't making any money off of that you know what i mean right right so if they decided to release james bond on um on apple tv or netflix or wherever they decide to do it that's not helping Sinworld. that's not helping no. cineplex that's not helping any theaters that makes it worse yeah um and that way like like studios aren't, like, I get studios are owned by larger corporations, but studios actually struggle with money, too. Yes. So that's why they don't want to make these decisions to release it to streaming or release it in theaters if it's not going to make money. There's a lot at stake. You know, there's a lot at stake for them and for theaters. So I'm hoping that the governments can step in and hopefully offer support to theaters, because if theaters close, then there's going to be less chances for studios to make money and that studios aren't making money. They're only going to start making movies that are guaranteed successes. And we'll start, we'll stop seeing smaller films. Creativity will be literally squashed. You know, it's it's, it's it's a huge ripple effect. Huge. And it's an interesting point you
2: bring up as well. So, and I didn't mean to cut you out there, but, but it's, it's literally that, that fact of, um, you know, when people ask for handouts and they talk about exactly what, um, Anthony was talking to us about recently about how James Cameron and, um, was it Nolan, I believe, as well? Yeah, and Scorsese. Scorsese like- and Clint would they all want to, you know, talk to the government, the U.S. Congress to help them with the theaters? It's a very interesting thing because it's such a polarizing conversation when you tell people, hey, we should save the movie theaters. There's. I can't think of a handful of people that would even be like, yeah, let's do it. Because
1: they don't think of the big picture. They don't. They don't at all. They, they don't think, think of
2: literally just the
1: theater. They think of like, oh, it's just we're trying to help Hollywood. Yes. No, you're supporting the hundreds of thousands of jobs that movies bring to a city, that bring to a country, that bring to a province that are filming there, because that's going to employ hundreds of thousands of people while they're making that movie. That's like, that's the things that people don't think no. that by not supporting theaters, you're having a ripple effect into the economy. But even more, like you, know? you were touching on a
2: fact of like, we're only going to get guaranteed successes. All you're going to start seeing is just those big budget films. Studios will stop taking risks on making that smaller indie movie or just, you know, that one film that this one kid wants to make. There's, there's no, there's
1: no middle ground in films right now. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that you're seeing a movie that's in the 20 to $30 million range. That's like successful. You know, it's like you're either seeing a super indie film in the theater because it was cheap to make. Or you're seeing a giant blockbuster, and if usually when it is a super indie film as well, it's usually attached to a big enough
2: name director sure. to pull it in. So still, that one kid who's got a really great idea
1: wants to make a really kick ass film, he won't get that fun for it.
2: Even though it'll be as good as head yeah. big director.
1: And and I really hope like and I get I like we're a movie podcast, we love movies. I want to see movies saved. Mo- the big movies are going to be okay. Yeah. There's so many movies. Yeah, there's lots of movies this year that got delayed, that got pushed. They'll get releases. But at the end of the day, it's all about the rest of the films. The future movies that are being made that are going to be affected. Because if there's theaters closed, are all these theaters going to come back? Can they afford to have all these employees back? It's a huge ripple effect. And I really hope government steps in to help.
0: Yeah, it's like the, the you know, when was it was a 2015. 1450 like when when there was the the car the car um industry was oh, with gm oh, and everything right. yeah, yeah right. they had to be bailed out by yeah. the, the government and even
1: with banks in 2017 20 uh, sorry 2007 2008 you know yeah like what makes those i think who, it's
0: hollywood hollywood has it's the perception the perception yeah. because there's you know working class is huge in those in those industries uh especially with the car industry you know sure. working class you, these are towns that are just factory workers factory yes. workers literally all work in the car manufacturing yeah. plant right? yeah blue collar and there's and blue collar
1: workers though still on movies and that's the so. thing they don't, don't talk that. about that they, because you hear about,
0: about you know the these backhead execs
1: man you, you think about the 20 oh Robert Downey Jr got paid 50 million dollars for this movie Yeah, i get it but like, there's so many, there's so much more to it that people don't see, and just like what you're saying, Anthony, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts because this is, I don't know what next year is going to look like. Obviously, on like we were joking about earlier in the episode, but like, in terms of this industry, like I, I, the big players will be okay for now. Like Disney's not, Disney's going to be okay.
0: Yeah, but you know, like even we didn't. I don't think we talked about Disney laying off all their like. Oh, the a Disney, 2000, I think? Tw- Disney World two thousand Disney World. Staff, right? Yeah. Disney World staff, yeah. um not firing. Sorry, uh laying off. Furloughed, f- whatever they call it. is it furloughed
1: now. Fur, no, yeah, I think
0: yeah. they said laid off. Now. I think it's like, laid off It's, now. it's what's not what's the difference though. Laid well, off is like that
2: like little bit, like, hey, maybe you can come back. Yeah,
0: yeah. Where that's <laughs> a huge. Is like, you're off. That's yeah, for, that's Disney. So they're they're deciding to lay off their um their amusement workers. Yeah, so they can probably save money to build more content. You know, take from one hand and put it in the other hand, kind of yeah. Disney Plus
1: is supporting them that's right Disney, now. like yeah. this is,
0: but we and then another thing we were talking about is their only revenue is their Disney parks, which yeah. nobody can go to, hmm. and their films, films which that, nobody can go and to. Merchandise, right? <laughs> so, with technology, like we were talking, we were saying Amazon and Apple, they have another source of revenue that they could pull from and still be able to deliver content. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Disney doesn't have that. And Warner Brothers doesn't have that. And Paramount doesn't have that. And they're all in debt. And it's just like, this opens your eyes to like, fuck, maybe there's just a lot of people are getting paid a lot of money for movies. And everyone's getting a lot of money, but it's just no one... It's there's not no, distributed. Like now it's yeah. like, well, fuck, we don't have... The money to save our own selves, yeah. and it's like the greediness you- of this whole situation is yeah. like maybe you didn't need to make fifty million because the fuck, you're gonna do with fifty million? Yeah. Like you make so much money that you just don't even know yeah. what to do with it. Do you think
1: yeah. there should be like with sports? Like do you think there should be like salary caps? Like sports is even worse, man. Those no, guys,
0: no, <laughs> no, but I mean like there's there's like
1: salary yeah, caps, right? Well, Where I like, don't, I don't know. I don't. It's hard. You can't think. It's hard to think of like creative stuff. It's like a that. weird
0: thing. I yeah. I think what this really says is like you. You can't just you have to have a game plan for a scenario like this in the future sure oh 100 percent because you can't just fucking fire these people who who work their ass off yeah to make really to make this happen for everyone else I think it's I think it's weird and you, you bring up a lot of great points there, but I think it's really weird especially
2: when you talk about a game plan, you know it's no secret that theaters have been losing money for years now yeah you know it, it's been a very obvious sign you know people aren't going to move there as much so i would really have hoped that they were at least planning for something but it really feels like it needed they needed the pandemic to really go oh wow gotta yeah. we got to take this seriously yeah. now Like yeah. they should have had something in the works and i don't know if the streaming services were um to kind of get them to that point but it really hasn't done anything
1: i'll be honest though like not even benefit of the doubt or devil's advocate but there's so many things that I would have, even on the government side, that I wish that they would have thought about pandemic-wise that oh, of wasn't course. thought about. No, of course. So, I'm like, I, I don't give them too much grief for not thinking about it. But, like, right. I, I just think, like, okay, we have over 5,000, almost 6,000 people pretty much losing their jobs right now. Yeah, I'm curious to think, like, are other theaters going to look at this? Are, is Cineplex here in Canada for us going to look at this and be like, we really don't have a lot of movies to show right now. I mean, you could keep talking about Tenet and all these other like classic films being brought back, but is that really going to support your business is keep are playing those movies actually making you money or is it making you lose money because you have staff there and it sucks that you have to think of that. You have to think of numbers instead of human beings. Yeah. Right. And that's where we are with theaters. And I think the relationship between studios and theaters needs to severely change and be looked at when things start going back to normal do you think that
2: studios should make their own theaters or is that them now getting involved in a business that they don't have any idea in? and it's not i don't even have an idea you but know, like you know just too
1: in, i guess i mean this is the thing like we were talking um obviously with our conversation like with adam later like um we were talking about like well look at cineplex is now showing netflix some films. netflix original films yeah. which we haven't seen before yeah and I think it's just kind of a sign of the times of like hey like you're not gonna you're not gonna turn away a movie if it's a new movie and you could yeah. show it in the theater. I don't know man it's it sucks, but honestly like I think at the end of the day, we really need to think about not just the movie not just about the big names attached to it, but think about the ripple effect of everything. people who are losing their jobs in theaters, the stat the crew, on films like all that's gonna like you have to think about the that. suppression of, of creativity I you think, know as well, you it's know? it's gonna be an interesting couple years bouncing back from this but we obviously we wish everybody who's potentially affected by this because again as of right now there's been no announcement official announcement from sin world you know like i'll, I'll check their twitter again right now but like there has been nothing from them yet mm. um which sucks it reminds me back in the day of when uh, Future Shop closed. It reminds me totally of that. And I remember we had friends who worked at Future Shop who we literally went in that day and there, saw the store. There's like a printed out piece of paper on the door that said, hey, this store doesn't exist anymore.
2: Yeah. Like padlocks on the doors. And they're just like, oh,
1: you're on no job. Wow. So I'm hoping that there's clear messaging on what the next steps are. Mm-hmm. Um, Cineworld tweeted actually earlier this evening. Saying we can confirm, we are considering the temporary closure of our UK and US cinemas, but a final decision has not has yet has not yet been reached. Once a decision has been made, we will update all staff and customers as soon as we can. So temporary, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Until (laughs) I just again, it just felt like you know it was so
0: indefinite in a way. Yeah. Right. But yeah, we 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 don't know what's going to happen in four months. Right. Five months. I, I, I don't even understand how Cineplex runs right now. Yeah. Like, how they stay open. We
2: haven't gone there since the numbers were super low and now the numbers
1: are high. We haven't gone back. It's, It's been a month. Like, I, I saw a tenant again for the second time, first week of September. So it was about a month ago. Again, we had a good experience when we went. Yeah. It was experience. clean. It was great. But again, it's one of those things once you see numbers starting to go up, I think you're going to see a lot more people being like, hey, you know what? I'm okay. I don't feel safe going anywhere. Yeah. Even though there has been no, uh, Major event linked to a theater. That's another thing, too. Like, theaters have probably been one of the safest places. Yeah. uh, Because there's been no mega spread events tied to it. But yeah, this is where we are right now. This is 2020.
0: Moving on to new dates, Daniel mentioned beforehand uh, No Time to Die has moved to April 2nd, 2021. That's uh, the day
1: before my birthday. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Um, Daniel Craig is probably. He's, he's so upset he's so upset he just wants to be rid of james bond uh and he cannot get rid of it he has literally no time to die it's it's interesting though because this is literally now a year
1: since its last official i guess mm-hmm. dates not mm-hmm. including the november one obviously but we had tickets to No Time to Die. We did.
0: Oh my god, we were so close to watching. We
1: had tickets to this movie. I knew what C was going to be in G yeah. thirteen. You know, didn't 14. you buy? Didn't you buy the wrong theater? I also theater? did buy the wrong theater, and road. then you bought it again. And I bought it again, um, and then I got them refunded both. <laughs> <And then they> <laughs> refunded <laughs> both of them. Um, does it stick the state, guys? Yeah. This is how many months away now? One, two. That's seven months. Three, four, five, five six months. Six months six months away does it like again like i don't think we ever thought back in march that we wouldn't see this movie in november no it doesn't stay oh fast and the furious also got moved because yeah may. bond moved it got
0: pushed a bit may yeah. it all depends on the country the wave of the pandemic because i keep hearing like you know europe is in second wave um, United States is still in their first, <laughs> and uh, Canada's in their second. Which I don't, I don't know. I don't yet. think we're in the second I, I, I'm ways. like I don't I don't understand how you determine a second. Usually, it's like a huge lull, and our lull was very small, and then it picked up. But I feel like testing has ramped up a lot more. Yeah, more availability for testing. Right. There's a lot of like scientific scientific stuff, and there's a lot of news being. You're as a as a citizen, you're being pulled from one end to another. You don't know if you should go get tested, if you should not get tested, if you wear a mask, if you should not wear a mask, if you should just die in a hole, and <sighs> my just God. call it a year.
1: Honestly, the only thing right now that I'm thinking about, and I've spoken, I've told you guys this right now, and I, I know this sounds so weird with all these movies being delayed. Just give me, give me my PlayStation Five. <laughs> just, just give me, give me my PlayStation Five. Give Let me just sit in my house, play Let my games. Let me just play my games here. Never leave my house until maybe 2021. We'll see how it goes. Video
0: games will succeed. And will they've be been thriving. The clearly the winner of 2020. Yeah, because they've succeeded so like Nintendo Switch is being sold out everywhere.
1: To this day, it's hard to find a Switch. Yeah, it's unreal. Animal Crossing, 25 million units basically. Like it's it's madness. Yeah, but it's great. I mean, that's the thing. Like that's great to see. That's cool to see. But I'm I'm really I honestly we're starting to see more and more content now being made directly for streaming services and i think that's what it's going to look like for the next little bit because oh the, like the witches too the witches is another one which we'll talk about in trailers that was supposed to be a theatrical release mm-hmm. that is looks now like a theatrical release robert zemeckis film <laughs> october 22nd on hbo max we're going to be able to watch that at home yeah great really. time great release too. i
0: hope crave gets it i'm sure it will it will, it will. let's actually move on to trailers trailers trailers, trailers that was a good one i'm that gonna, gonna good go good. through the the list of trailers and we're gonna talk about our the ones that uh we love the most so good luck <laughs> good luck with this one so borat subsequent movie film delivery of Prodigious pro- prodigies prodigies bribe to american regime for make benefit once glorious nation of kazakhstan Marvel Spider-Man Remastered for the PS5, Minari, Marvel Six One Six Disney Plus series, The Witches, and Monster Hunter. Let's start off with Borat. I'm not going to say the whole name, but <laughs> no, no, the sequel Borat Two. <laughs> Borat Two, the sequel to Borat. Um, I didn't see this trailer, but I know you guys did, and there was quite a bit of laughs, and I I remember seeing some. <laughs> Like that. there was, was laughter a laugh. Laugh. E- 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 i saw i saw him from... dressed as trump running yeah. around with some lady on his I
1: michael i had a michael pav Pen- and mike pence michael
2: pence damn are you his mother tell uh, me about this trailer <laughs> that's what he calls his
1: wife mother get out
0: of here tell me about this trailer what did what like
2: it's it's Borat. It's, it's Borat, Borat <laughs> back again. I mean, he Borat is such a you know time stamped thing. Like I, the amount of people that you'd walk past and be like, Very nice my wife," and you know saying that oh over gosh, and over yeah, again. Yeah. And now when you hear it, you're just like, "Kill me, yeah, please, just kill me."
1: It feels like a, like a shirts that you would see like, at, like a shitty beach area. Oh, like I yeah. think I like with Sega Beach here or like like. Santa Monica Pier, like they would have yeah. like shirt stands with like Borat giving the thumbs like, up, like, like a
2: like a marijuana spliff in his yeah. mouth. I don't know why. Who called this a marijuana spliff?
1: Uh, you just did. I just did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I sound like I sound like a narc
2: when yeah. By the way, with
1: a with a Mary Jane, uh, <laughs> with say, a
2: marijuana spliff, you know? uh, with like a spliff in his mouth, like red eyes and being like <laughs> my wife you know. So I just I think that it's interesting. I absolutely loved his last show it was Saving America yeah. or whatever it was called, and I love Sasha Baron Cohen, so I'm excited for this because hey. It's like nostalgic, and at the same time, you know, there's going to be some absolutely batshit crazy things that we're going to
1: see about the government in the US yep. and Americans. Yeah. Um, The Witches for me this week was uh probably my favorite trailer. Um, Love Robert Zemeckis, yeah. Uh, The Witches, we've spoken about on the show before, absolutely horrifying ch- children's film, yes. Like, I used to watch I remember watching it like in school and watching it at home around Halloween. and Based on the Royal Doll book, um, absolutely horrifying, but it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm down to see it with more modern visuals, and Anne Hathaway l- looks like she's gonna be great in it, and Octavia Spencer's in it, and it's narrated by. Um, was that Chris Rock doing the voice? Yeah, of yeah that kids. was Chris was Rock. Chris Rock. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It looks visually, it looks great. Yeah. Um,
1: also looks terrifying. Zemeckis. Yeah. Very Zemeckis. Zemeckis. I yeah.
0: love the first Witches. Yeah. It was a movie that I just stumbled upon. Oh, and wow. I'm like and I think there was a book. Was there not a book? Yeah, it was a book. Yeah, so I, th- I, th- yeah. I think I read yeah. I re- read the book in school. Yeah. Okay. And then I came across the film and I'm like, "Damn, this is this is like frightening." It's terrifying. But it's fun and I forgot they turn into mice Yeah. And you know, that whole story and I'm like, "Oh, this looks like a this looks like a movie I would watch during, you know, the Halloween the season. season." Um but yeah, like I'm looking forward to it. and me too. I'm happy that it's on HBO Max yeah, or Crave here. Okay. Uh, for me, this week, it was uh, Minari, the uh, a- A24, A24 film, film. Uh, about a Korean family who sets up in Arkansas and starts a, a farm. And just like that coming of age type of story of, of immigrants um, coming to America and like just having a life. And I'm a big fan of Steven Yeun and... Um, I'm a big fan of A24, and I feel like all man, their films just... that they produce and develop are always touching, and they they have like some sort of like deeper meaning, and they they leave an impact in in your in you as a person, and just telling those those um, those fantastic stories that you you, you didn't know about. It's awesome with A two four. Who would have I think, thought a Korean family in Arkansas? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> I would never have thought of that. It's amazing what A two four is
1: doing. Obviously, they're not the biggest studio, but what they're doing, I think, is really special. With like, they're becoming synonymous with like a style of movie, almost like Blumhouse is, as well, too, with like horror movies. Obviously, yeah. but A two four is doing some really amazing films. So, anytime you see their name at the beginning of a project, you're like, oh, I'm, yeah. I know, I'm in for. A good time,
0: either a good time or a bad time, in, 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 <laughs> in a, a good, good way. sense. In a good you know, like, way, like they usually hit stories that really hit humanity and hit yeah. the heart, like heavy. So they there, know how to tell that story.
2: There was one more trailer this week that um, I forgot to mention to you guys, but it's actually a neon movie, and I think neon is also
1: really coming up. Yeah, neon. They really uh, they distributed Parasite. Yeah, and um, there's a few more. There was we, another one that we watched. We yeah. Too, yeah. Oh. Um. Palm Springs.
2: Palm Springs, yeah. yes. Uh, so I think they're definitely coming up, but there's a, a movie coming out. It's a documentary called Totally Under Control. I don't know if you guys watched this trailer, but I'll send it to you guys. It's tell about, us about it. It's, they just interviewed a bunch of the uh, the doctors that are right now <laughs> in charge of the coronavirus in the United States, and it's just a tell all.
1: Oh, is that the one? I think I saw it on Twitter. like, you Oh, they, they shot this in secret in the yes, last six months or whatever. Yes, that That's one. awesome. Yeah,
2: so that trailer just came out about two days ago. Um, I'll send it to you guys as well, just in so case you can sounds see good. Seen it. But yeah, it's Neon that's distributing that one. Totally it under looks control. Wild.
1: Okay. I, it
0: looks like I, I. I'm very excited to see it. Okay, let's move on to out this week. We have Hubie Halloween. This is going to be premiering on Netflix. Nef- Netflix Hubby can- Halloween actually. Is it hubby? It's Hub- I Hubby Halloween. I thought it was, hubby as well. yeah. I thought it was uh, yeah. Hubby. I, I think it's
1: Hubby. I think uh, they said it was Hubby it Halloween. It sounds
2: like Hubie. Like it just sounds like it. Like well, I feel like
1: he would
0: say Hibby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Hubby. Yeah. <laughs> Hubie. <laughs> That's anyways. Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler Netflix, Halloween, Hubby or Hubby movie. We'll find out this week. And the War with Grandpa, starring Robert De Niro. Guys, <laughs> quality theaters. films this week. I think Eight Two Four is releasing both of them. <laughs> I believe it's they are. Yeah, yeah, I believe they are Eight Two Four films.
2: Shay, what are we watching this week? What am I watching this week? That's a great yeah. question. So I watched Twenty Two Jump Street. Um, I think not a week goes by where I don't watch one of those films and I'm really, you know, glad that I think that's accurate. Yeah. It's, they're so funny. (laughs) Amazing. They're just such good films. Uh, Ted Lasso wrapped up its season. Daniel and I, I know you and I've been watching this. Um, how did you
1: feel about the last episode? Uh, again, I adore the series. I think this is one of my, this is probably my favorite show this year. Mm -hmm. I think the season finale, um, it's not that I I wanted a little bit more to it. Mm. I think when you're when you're in a when you have a, a show centered kind of around sports, um, you're either gonna feel one type of way at the end. Yeah. Like, you know, like you wanna you either fall into the area like oh this is like cliche they came up and they won or they lost and so and so right. On. At this point, you know there's gonna be more episodes. There's another season coming. Um. So I I'm in that I'm in that sense right now. I'm like oh I just want more episodes now because I don't feel satisfied with this ending it's very much an ending where it's like yeah we have the story is not over yet right so there is no real closure
2: right yet I think I think they could have um, either made the last episode a lot longer like maybe a full hour instead of a sure. 30 minute one or given one more episode yeah um, because it, it felt like it, they were trying to wrap it up too quickly but still again absolutely adore this show love it to death um, very excited for what's going to come in the future and I really like the direction in which they're taking it yes so I'm very very excited um i also watched insomnia it was on sale the other day and i picked it up and i haven't really seen it probably since around the time that i first ever watched it which i think you lent it to me i'm not too sure
1: yeah i i, I remember that yeah. yeah this is nolan's first studio film
2: right yeah. right and he's getting al pacino hillary swank and robin williams <laughs> no big movie. deal so um i was watching it again and just absolutely falling in love and it's actually kind of funny i was watching it when i was very tired so I was very, very sleepy while watching it. But I kept pushing myself through it. And watching that film when you're either high or very, very tired is an absolute trip. Because the way it's shot is to show the insomniac feeling of, of Al Pacino. And I think, wow, it's, it's such a good movie. And it's really amazing.
0: Were you uh, blocking the windows with, uh, with tape?
2: With, with uh, pillows? <laughs> <laughs> it was
1: nighttime, so I do not have to. And I don't live in Alaska. so <laughs> it's, oh. it's interesting <laughs> making like someone like Robert Williams see, feel like intimidating yeah and a villain yeah so yeah very 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 cool um 10 years of social network
2: um daniel and i watched this as well and what a good movie anyone who doesn't like this movie is probably named anthony
1: anyone i
2: was gonna say
0: (laughs) anybody who
1: doesn't like this movie
0: is in this room with us you know why i don't like it i don't know like i I have seen it though i have seen a little bit of it oh (laughs) that doesn't make sense then (laughs) it's not i think i've seen uh, i don't want to like it because i don't care about that person you know like yeah it's like watching a serial i'll I'll tell you about like one of my movies it's like watching something that you know is so wrong it's like why am i watching this fuck this 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 person i'll never i don't watch want to, anything i don't want anything about to humanize it. him or anything I like, get it. It. like if there's just, a movie
2: about trump i would probably feel the same way but yeah. i think i think that's the beauty of this film that when you watch it it's not humanized i don't think it's but ever he humanized. wins at
0: the end and i don't want
2: that I, you gotta watch it because he I, wins though like you he, know he wins because he w- he's still
0: like winning right there's now.
1: there's definitely moments where it, i mean but again we're looking at this through the eyes of a 2020 yes when we're looking at 2010 mark zuckerberg We're not thinking. We're thinking of oh, Facebook is a a website that's bringing people together. Yeah. Not this website is tearing the nation apart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're we're like in 2010, this movie was such a big. Again, I love this movie, and I always anytime I watch it, I don't even associate it with Facebook now. No. Like there's not one time where I'm watching The Social Network now that I'd be like, man, like this is look what Facebook is like. At the end, I'd be like, oh, look how big Facebook is. But there's not one any point where I'm just like. Oh, Facebook's such a scummy-ass company. And and also,
2: it it, it never has made me like Mark Zuckerberg. No, not at all. At no point was I like, um, I feel bad for this guy. Probably throughout the whole film, I'm like, fuck this guy. Fuck him. Oh, my God, you're a piece of shit. And, you know, it's credit to Jesse Eisenberg. He does such a great job in it. Yeah. And also, Fincher just jerks the hell out of this movie with Sorkin's writing. Mm -hmm. So,
0: you definitely got to watch it, Anthony. I know, I know, I know. You like the song the composer, composite, like with the, the Trent Reznor and Atticus sure. Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Trentine Atticus. How does it
2: go? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was really
2: good. When Nathan's on the show, you should, you should show, you should t- show him my you like, yeah, that.
1: yo, next time you need to sample my voice, uh, I'm going to go, <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. Uh,
2: I watched uh, the first, so I know the Komi rule is technically two parts, but in Canada on Crave, it's showing up as four episodes. Yeah. Right? So I watched episode one, and I, disliked it a lot i thought it was very very boring it wasn't for me personally um i couldn't i just couldn't pay attention to what was happening i wasn't engaged at all i tried to watch a bit of episode two and i couldn't get into it i told daniel and daniel's like listen try watching the loudest voice instead so i watched the loudest voice and i'm almost done and i'm absolutely loving it it's paced so well it's got such brilliant acting and it's just making me angry when i'm watching it so i'm really really enjoying it for that That's reason
1: good. and i think i think what benefits with the loudest voice too is that you know this is about Roger Ailes and Fox yeah. News and everything, but it's also giving that Steve Jobs approach where it's yeah. like each episode is a year. Yeah. So like this is the 1995. This is 2001. So we're seeing like the Fox News perspective of like 9/11. We're seeing the Fox News perspective of Obama getting elected and things yeah. like that, or Trump. It winning never the White overstays
2: House. its welcome in terms of like the data that you're receiving.
1: Right. So yeah. like it just it just does a really good job with storytelling in that sense where you don't have to worry about. Random time jumps or anything like that. It's like each episode's kind of designed to mm. do its thing, and then we're going on to the next major event. That you know, Fox News, love it or hate it, it's a, it's a, it's huge. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge, <laughs> right? It's a huge. It's a huge aspect of
2: American culture, right? And I think all all of these watches really stemmed from the 2020 presidential debate, which we all watched, and I think we'll get into that later. Yep. Uh, and I also uh, Netflix added The Good Place the last season that just was up. I think season four. Um, I absolutely really enjoyed this show. I think I started watching it in the beginning of the pandemic. I can't remember. What. Yeah, I
1: remember you were saying that you, you were just looking for something to watch. Yeah,
2: and I, and I just binged that first three seasons and I'm watching season four right now. And I think the main reason why I'm really enjoying this show is, I mean, it's, it's very lovable. It's very lightweight. It's very similar to how Ted Lasso makes me feel. Uh, but also because, Daniel and I, you were on the set of that show as well. So, yeah, we were. So it, it just kind of like, oh, I was standing right there. Yeah,
1: I remember when we, I remember I, I watched it like the first episode when it premiered and then it literally... When we wanted that we were flying to california it was also playing on the plane yeah, i'm like oh i can't escape the show and then we were on the set i'm like this is crazy yeah uh, but yeah, yeah i gotta got watch it it's all for me yeah you definitely should
0: what about you daniel
1: uh a lot of the same things that shay said obviously so comey rule i finished it though i, I watched all four episodes uh trump doesn't uh, brendan gleason plays trump in the show you'll know brendan gleason he plays mad eye moody in the harry potter movies um he doesn't show up to the third episode and he does like he does a fine job of playing trump like i could see him being nominated for it it wasn't anything too like crazy though i just like he did a good job like be impersonating him but he felt a little bit more mellow where when you see trump talk he's a lot more just you don't know what's going to happen when he talks he could be like high he could be low he could be everywhere um but again at the end of the day like the show didn't really give me anything i didn't know already with comey and the fbi and all that stuff but it gave me like some insight um i thought i thought the show was Okay, but like I'm not thinking about it at all anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not lasting with me. Um, if you don't really care about, like, I don't. I honestly, I don't think it's required watching. Okay. To be honest, so skip it. Uh, skip it. Uh, Horrible bosses. I watched it last Sunday just because I was looking for something fun to watch. So that was a great time. I started Long Way Up, which is an Apple TV Plus original show with Ian uh, Ewan McGregor, who's basically. Um, he's had a couple of these docs before, where it's a documentary series where they basically drive motorcycles across the continent or whatever basically what you're doing with this one is that they're riding electric bikes from the very bottom of south america all the way up to los angeles so i watched the first two episodes and it's a really great show it's very entertaining just to see kind of like what their journey is looking like and their planning and everything that goes into it um social network spoke about the 2020 debates well that was what it was <laughs> um the boys obviously
2: yes I i forgot to mention that but i did watch the boys as well the
1: boys is getting better and better i felt this episode was a little bit slower mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden things really started popping off so if you're not watching the boys yet i definitely, like, definitely yeah what are you
0: doing that. with your lives um
1: yeah. ted lasso we spoke about already and then i've been starting to watch some uh some halloween movies on disney plus with my sister so we were watching we watched literally the first like two minutes of like return to halloween town which is the fourth movie which is it just sucks because it's like different it's a different person who's playing the main girl in it yeah so i was like why is Sarah paxton in this it's trash uh then watch Twi- uh, twitches which is like with uh <laughs> like
0: what's twitches is, twitches is that witches is, or twitches? twitches is the is one the, with uh with the, the sister,
1: sister 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 yeah sorry i
0: didn't i didn't it's not good man grow up with i haven't watched either but i know of twitches yeah, or so. halloween town
1: Halloween Town, Halloween, Town was so was, good, Halloween Town was Halloween Town was right in your like yeah, time, too. It was in your what, alley. What, what year was that? It, 1998 was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Or were you, like, 46 that time? Anthony watching? Anthony was already waiting. Was There's like, a movie called The Matrix knew, like, coming out next year. I
2: knew, uh, and he was like, I knew at that point that Santa wasn't real, so I didn't fuck with
0: Halloween Town. <laughs> Yeah, I don't oh fuck God. with Halloween anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, robbing people during Oh, oh God. Oh,
1: oh, <laughs> oh, damn. But
0: yeah, that's about it for me. Uh, Anthony, what about you? For me, I'm continuing to love lovecraft country uh last episode was an interesting one i had to i think i have to rewatch it again because it's one of those what the hell is thinkers. happening thinkers uh the boys the grand tour which is an amazon prime series with uh james may richard hammond and i always forget the uh add something something but Adam i <laughs> imagine hey guys um. what are we doing today <laughs> Uh, I just love their (laughs) chemistry and, like, just their adventures. They go on. They have the best chemistry together uh, and the cars. Do you find, like... They did a boat one, which is just... They just did boats and they went through Vietnam and Cambodia. And they just... They have the best... Like, it's so funny to watch them because it's British humor. Right. And it's, like real things that are happening to them that they just have to deal with their environment so this is based
2: on their previous show right top gear yeah top, top gear, gear, gear yeah, the, which i mean was canceled i believe and then they moved over to amazon for yeah. the grand tour. So what do you find better are you finding the grand tour better or do you find so, top gear
0: so grand tour was actually canceled oh but they do single episode like series like right big ser- episodes like right. an hour and a half episodes on different locations around the world where they deal but um I guess they just didn't make the audience that they were looking for and again it's a streaming service so i don't know how it looks like in europe when it comes to amazon prime and Mm. who gets what it's not like what widely available like it would be a top gear on bbc right um but didn't matt uh, matt leblanc host yeah he He did the american top gear yeah or maybe the british top gear i don't know i think it was the american top gear um, but man, their chemistry is the best. Like I, I don't know if you guys watch it. You I've should seen, watch it. A bit of it's, it yeah. They're fucking funny. Like they they're funny. They and they have laughs and jokes and they do and hoo-hoos and, <laughs> and... and they ha Like again, they're <laughs> and British, their, their British, their British humor is is. Interesting to me because it's not something I hear all the time. Oh, and when sure. they use their words, they they call each other muppets. I'm like, man, that's the word I would like to use, but I just say wankers. Just, don't you call you us a
1: muppet? I I appreciate you it if
2: you call
1: muppet. Oh, I don't know oh, about uh, that. Anymore. I don't. I, I That's my British accent. <laughs> no, but but that, that's the thing. I think what I love so much about Ted Lasso as well is that there's such a a casualty to their. Like, insulting of one yes. another. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that it's just so funny. And, like, to us, we're just like, oh! <gasps> <gasps> yeah, British humor is, they, they don't hold back. Like, they'll no. just
2: call somebody the C word, you know? or they'll oh, just yeah. say
0: it. Even in The Boys, like Billy Butcher, his character is yeah. funny, It's just, but it's very blunt, and yeah. it's that dry British yeah. humor.
1: I was describing my, because my sister watches The Boys as well, too, and for some reason I called Butcher Cutter. Oh, uh, but she knew who I was talking about because cutter, yeah. I was thinking of Uncharted. Yes, uh, but she's like, You're talking about Butcher? I'm like, Yeah, I guess that's interchangeable, and then he's also
2: British.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm watching the third day the chef show with uh, John Favreau in his Panini Press and Roy <laughs> Choi. I would love, to, like, we were talking about this beforehand. I would love to have Roy Choi on one of our episodes. Roy, if you're listening, just just to talk about his adventures in terms of like where he started and cooking and all that, because I think the guy is super interesting yeah. as a chef and his style of making food is all by <laughs> the naked eye. Like don't measure just, he's like one of those, you'll just get it. Yeah. Uh, he, he gave himself a name, but it was more of like a, a gorilla style chef uh, making yeah, technique, yeah. you know, just like throw it in there and it'll taste good. Um, I will, Watched a Netflix original um, movie called American Murder, The Family Next Door, which mm. is a, a docu-style um, movie about the murder that happened in Colorado with the husband who murdered his wife yeah. and two children. And the story is, is all shot with either um, social media videos that were broadcast by the wife leading up to the murder throughout the life and just telling that story with body cam footage from the police and um, interview tapes during the interrogation and it was so so well edited like it never comes across like there's no interviews there's nothing like that but it's so well edited to tell the story about how everything happened yeah it was so well done that i'm telling you netflix you can't beat netflix They're in documentaries yep. you can't beat them my yeah. sister
1: um my sister was talking to me about this and she was saying how well it was like visually like the visuals that they give you for everything yeah. and how just how just off-putting how so how scary it was because he never showed signs before of anything and then all right. of a sudden it's like
0: he it's, kills his wife and his yeah. kids
1: and it's like what the, like what
0: what what and it's like this you know and you see it there's you know you know this man is killed his yeah. wife and his kids, and it's the day after, and there's body cam footage from the police officer who's interviewing him um, in his house, and he's like, "I don't know where my wife, I don't know where he, she could have gone." And you later realize that he he buried his wife in the debt and next to an oil rig where he threw his two kids down. Disgusting. It's it's, it's disgusting. like there's you, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And it's it's so real, and you hate this man for everything. Yeah, like no remorse no yeah. nothing
1: well, yeah my sister is my sister was telling me that like there was a scene in it where like you see him talking to his dad saying like oh i he like they were she, she the kids were dead when i got there and it's he like, blames
0: his wife what and then what? Oh, and then man. there's testimony of him saying like he he confesses he's like no it was me i just didn't want to live this life and it's like why would you do oh, all God. this you
1: can't even think about yeah that it's shit, man. That's messed but it's so
0: well it's it's a story that you should watch um and 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 just take it in. It's it's so well edited. It's yeah. so well told. Please watch it if you have a chance. And then I watched the um another f- fucking clusterfuck. The twenty twenty presidential <laughs> oh, debate. Oh, boy, let's. Do you guys want to dive into the twenty twenty presidential debate?
1: Man, what uh, can we say? About I don't that? know. I don't know what to say. I think at the end of the day, just.
0: For American listeners, it. I'll just skip it for me. For our American listeners, <laughs> um, I know like a lot of people after this debate ha- happened, they were so shocked and disgusted on how they were represented mm-hmm. to the rest of the world because this was a huge debate. It's the first one, yeah. And I feel, I feel for you if you are. um an American listener, yeah, who yeah. felt that way—it's
1: um, all jokes aside, yeah. yeah. It's it's a sad reminder of again the current state of the world. You have an- enough shit going on in this world, and then you see um, that showing, obviously. And again, regardless of what you think of Joe Biden, there was one person on that stage that looked more presidential and handled himself, and that was obviously him. Yep. Um, at the end of the day, like, there's not much we could do as Canadians. Nope. And I just hope for the best and just remind you, use our platform, just vote, please vote. Just vote. Just be aware that, you know, what
2: your vote is like, it, it doesn't just affect America. Your vote affects the rest of the world. America is a big superpower. You guys have a lot of stake in a lot of the world. And at the end of the day, go out there, vote for what you know is right for yourself, but also for your neighbor. Think about everybody before you make the decision, not just yourself. Um, it's a crazy time right now, and you guys, you guys definitely need all the love and support that you can get. And when November third rolls around, vote with your mind, not just your
0: heart. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, what else? there was a quotable. There was one big quote from it uh, it's uh, the most will quotable? You shut uh, up, man! Uh,
1: I, 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 I I'm like did, I, did Anthony write that? He text Joe Biden? No, mine to say would have that? been.
0: Would you shut the? fuck. <laughs> I would have you just muppet. You muppet! You fucking muppet! God. Yeah, man, that was like that should be his slogan. Will you shut up, man? Yeah, because yeah. that's all he is. He's just fucking talking. Oh my god. All I mean, the if, time with
1: If you believe in karma,
0: yeah. This week
1: this week proves that karma is a real thing. Uh yikes. <laughs> yikes. You know? Um, but yeah. QB yeah. Halloween guys. Let's <laughs> just look
4: forward to Hubie that. Halloween
1: is this week. Uh we got a lot of fun stuff planned this week, including our conversation coming up.
0: Let's move on to our topic of the show, where we discuss TIFF 2020 with TIFF producer and editor Adam Scholes. Welcome back to the Movie
1: Podcast. Joining us now is a producer and editor for the Toronto International Film Festival, and he's probably the world's biggest fan of David Fincher's Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Please
3: (laughs) welcome to the show, Adam Scholes. Hello, Adam. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I I, I, wanna, it, I I did want to say I'm really sorry to all the people listening. Like on the last episode, you you sort of teased a very special guest related to Fincher, and people are like, probably, oh, is it like, the, is it the sound editor? Is it is it the? Is it? It, no, it's just a guy who really likes the girl with the dragon tattoo. So <laughs> it's another fan of Fincher. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, but I I do I I do really like that movie so. No, we're we're we're
1: lucky to have you and honestly like I only I only say that cuz I just remember literally I think our first interaction with one another um was on Twitter last year around the time of Tiff and you were you were literally tweeting about how you were you were playing it in like one of the editing suites yeah. and i and i i think i think it was one of like of our probably one of our mutual like uh friends on twitter it could have been like uh like matt warbeck or something that he i saw and then like he liked it and i'm like oh my god this guy's this guy works for he's watching this movie
3: right now in probably like a dope editing suite and i'm very jealous yeah no it's we, we we at that point we were sort of like every day just putting on things in the background to sort of you know just to keep our minds sane and so i must have chosen that you know one day because there's very few movies that me and my other the other producer i work with can agree on but that's one of the ones we both like so yeah we threw that on and uh then we quickly remember that it's not exactly a safe for work movie. So I don't, I think we probably turned it off pretty quickly. um, (laughs) Sure. At what point of the film were you like, this isn't safe? Was it the, (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs)
4: I'm about
3: 10 minutes in probably it's, (laughs) we probably got to the Uh, title sequence and we're like, okay, that's good. That's, that's about as much as we can handle. So.
1: Um, I definitely, I definitely want to have a a continuation on our, on our Fincher conversation from last week, but, uh, I just would love to like, just to, to let our, our listeners know, like we, we, we referenced you last week on our, on our episode, but I just want to know, like, tell us about Adam, the person, how did you get to where you are? Like, uh, how did you end up at TIFF? So I just want to know kind of a little bit about your background and how did you, how did 2020 Adam become?
3: Oh, well, it's so funny because um, I listened to Monday's show and um, you guys were talking about uh, Kitchener-Waterloo, which is actually where I'm from. And I was like, whoa, this is how serendipitous. Um, But yeah, no, it's so I basically uh, the sort of running joke that I tell is um, I went I went to a special high school that had an arts program and wanted to be an actor. And my parents very quickly were like, no, no, you, you need to, you need to make money. You can't be an actor. So I became an editor instead, except I live in Canada and, um, am not union. So, um, I'm not sure that that was the better option for making money. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I basically, my mom worked in TV when I was growing up. So I was always sort of like surrounded by, um, that world and was fascinated by it. And so, when I was in high school and, like, making my own movies, that was – once I realized that, yeah, maybe this acting thing, like, might be a little more tricky, what can I focus on? So, I sort of discovered editing, which I always joke that the only reason I liked editing to begin with was because it was an excuse to spend more time on the computer. Um <laughs> right. And, you know, that's so, so I just sort of like stuck with it and then, yeah, basically went to, went to Ryerson, studied new media there. And then, um, I did a co-op internship with a a small local agency that became my summer job. And then that became a full-time job. And then I've sort of just, yeah, i since then kind of been doing, doing it ever since I, um, that job led, led me to working on a couple, like, uh, TV series, um, some Canadian reality shows, um, which introduced me to a bunch of people, and then I eventually went freelance and was went back to working with a couple of those producers, and then doing some commercial work, and then eventually, um, while I was freelancing, Tiff was looking for a video producer, and somehow it's they got a, they got my name because I was following our then creative director on Instagram and we both were like kind of constantly liking each other's posts. And so I guess she sort of told the HR or whatever, Oh, we should reach out to this guy. And so, um, yeah. And then that's basically how I ended up at TIFF. I was hired as a producer editor there and have been there ever since. This has been my fourth festival. So three years, four festivals, um, and yeah, it's been, it's been a real blast. It's, it's crazy to think that when I, was, when I came, moved to Toronto for university it, that September, me and my best friend, we went to try and go to TIFF uh, because we had always heard about it, but we didn't really know how it worked. And so we didn't understand that like, yeah, no, you can't get tickets to galas. You can't get tickets to like, the big movies. <laughs> right. So we waited in the rush line for um, a small Canadian movie called uh, The Tracy Fragments which starred Ellen Page. Um, This was the same year she was in Juno. So she hadn't really sort of like broken out yet. Like Juno literally exploded that. I think it was that year. Maybe it was the year. No, I'm pretty sure it was that year. Um, So she had like two movies at TIFF, Juno, which became like this huge hit and sort of like launched her into international stardom. And this other small, like indie artsy fartsy movie. Um, So we like, yeah, we waited in the rush line. And we saw that. So it's just sort of like this weird full circle thing of like, I moved to Toronto, I went to my very first TIFF, and then 10 years later, I'm now working there. And it's just, yeah, it's very surreal and crazy. And I never, I never, ever would have thought that this is where I would end up. But uh, it's great. That's awesome, though. I mean, like, I
1: th- I think there's a, like, because like, I went to Ryerson as well. and And there's a thing that like, like you kind of feel like once you're in Toronto, like you, you start to become that like Toronto person, like, like going to TIFF and like having those experiences. But um, something you said though, that I loved is that, um, you know, like this job came about literally just from like social media. And I mean, mm-hmm. like even you being on the show today, like it's our, like our kind of friendship and and you being like a friend of the show now is all, like all just come from like Twitter and engaging in like being fellow like canadians things like that it's it's cool how like it's, it's kind of come full circle in that way for the show too because like i remember last year like when we started like following each other on twitter i'm like oh he'd be a really cool person to have on the show one day and
3: now we are a year later and you're you're finally on the show yeah it is it's it's one of those funny things of like i remember when social media first started taking off um and my my parents would well specifically my mom would always give me a hard time about how much i was posting and being like you you know d- don't swear so much on on the internet and all this stuff and like um my mom doesn't sound like marge simpson but that's my i was gonna I, say that was my a... impression she always does but uh it, yeah it's sort of this funny thing of like you never really know who you're gonna run into and and get to have a conversation with and um Yeah, like it's it's funny how how many cool and interesting people I've met through social media, including like real filmmakers and like got, you know, ran like one of the I I remember a couple of weeks ago, I tweeted about Ted Lasso, which is my new favorite show. And everybody should be watching it if you haven't already. Uh, But I I just tweeted about how great it was. And the showrunner. Just, like randomly tweeted back at me thanking me for watching it and i was like i didn't tag him like how did how did he find out but it was one of these funny moments of like i then realized that the showrunner is the showrunner from scrubs and cougar town and spin city which i had no awesome. idea at the time so it was like it made my appreciation for the show like increase even more so it's just yeah it's this it is it can obviously be um a nightmare sometimes but it also the way it sort of allows you to connect with people who you otherwise yeah. never would have been able to to reach out to is is really really cool yeah i mean like just to, on your ted lasso note, like i was
1: tweeting about it too and like jason sudeikis liked the tweet i'm just like oh my god you know he's I, he's going to invite me to be on the show next season like, <laughs> yeah,
3: that right? now now he's a friend of the show and he could be is. our next special guest and he'll be way more exciting than super girl with a dragon tattoo super fan adam skulls
1: Jason, if you're listening to this, I know you are. Just come on the show. You know, open invite. Maybe he's also a fan of uh, "Grow the Dragon" tattoo. We
2: don't
3: know these things, you know. People don't start off with that usually, and I wish they would. I mean, exactly. Know? It's it. You know, I I I always say it's not Fincher's best movie, but it is my favorite of his. So. I think it's really up there for him. I definitely think it's up there for
2: him. It's, it's definitely, we can, we can talk about girl with the dragon tattoo later on because I'm sure we can dive into it for hours, but Adam, I I do have to ask. So what is your, what's your day to day like at TIFF? Like what does your job really do for people who who maybe just don't know what a producer or editor is?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great question because when I started, I was wondering the exact same thing. Um, basically i think the one thing that people don't really necessarily um realize about tiff is that tiff is so much more than just the festival like we we are a year-round organization uh we're a not-for-profit um and we run the tiff bell light box downtown on king street where you can come and see or pre-covid i should say you could come and see movies and uh we show sort of first run art house movies or the stuff that you know cineplex wouldn't necessarily um Showing as well as we have the Cinema Tech, which runs sort of classics from you know the canon and and international cinema, um, as well as you know modern classics like *Finchers* Seven and and stuff like that. So my role there was very much I was hired um, as a original content producer and then producer for sort of our internal marketing team. So when we create trails, for example, let's say you come to the light box and you sit and you watch a movie, you're going to see your sort of like regular new release trailers, but then you'll also sort of see our in-house trailers that promotes upcoming series events, stuff like that. So those were all made in-house and would be made by myself or my other producer, the other producer that works there. Um, So I do a lot of sort of that sort of thing, online ads, online marketing content. Um, A lot of our stuff, you know, will be shared on our social media channels. And then as well, we have a YouTube channel where we post our interviews with filmmakers. We'll do other original content. One of the, one of the things that we did that sort of blew up at one point was we, we made a piece called Roger Deakins is a loser and it sort of chronicled like 11 or 12 times that he did not win the best cinematography Oscar prior to Blade Runner. And I remember that one the running joke was that 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 video helped you know clench the win for him which i'm not entirely sure is true i think blade runner itself was you know certainly worthy although all of his films were worthy that's what made it so crazy was that how had he not won up until that point
1: i Um, think they just wanted to make it outdated they just wanted to make your video
3: outdated They, they took personal offense to us calling him a loser so but yeah so so stuff like that um and then obviously, once you get closer to the festival, we are responsible for any sort of video content related to the festival. So again, it's mostly ads and stuff like that. But, you know, the the animated identity, um, tra- you know, tr- again, the sort of like in-house trailers promoting the year-round organization, all that sort of stuff. And then obviously, this year, it was a very different year with the festival mostly being online. And we had you know normally if you come to the festival we have filmmaker Q&As after you watch the film but because nobody was actually going to be in the city because you couldn't travel that's when we realized well we want to still give the audience that experience how do we do that well we'll do video Q&As that we pre pre-recorded so we had to pre-record i think it was some somewhere around 64 uh, Q&As with filmmakers in advance excuse me so that was one of my responsibilities in the lead up was I had to, you know, produce and edit together a bunch of these Q and A's with filmmakers and cast members and, and so on and so forth. And wrangling that was obviously quite an experience because you have people, you know, we had people in Hong Kong and Bangladesh and, you know, obviously L.A. and London. And so, yeah, it was it was a very interesting experience. Um, but it was really fun, too, because you got to sort of like hang out one on one with with these incredibly creative and um you know just amazing people and 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 get to chat with them and and hear how they you know in many cases were putting together films during lockdown like it was just there were lots of really interesting stories that came out of that so that's sort of the yeah that's what it kind of looks like day to day is just you know making trailers making original content and uh you know just promoting the the wonderful organization that is TIFF. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Um, With the festival looking so different this year, um, what was it like for you and your team and your colleagues dealing with, you know, the pandemic and how to keep everyone safe and creating, you know, thinking of new ideas to have TIFF continue to roll?
3: I mean, for us, obviously being, you know, the video team, we kind of knew going into this that, uh, we were going to lean, people were going to be leaning pretty heavily on us for video content, obviously. Um, so we sort of had to teach ourselves new skills pretty quickly. We had to get up to speed on, you know, live streaming and, and how to do sort of remote records and stuff like that. Um and then just in terms you know you mentioned like the safety and protocols for all that we we obviously have teams that are dedicated to that and i cannot imagine the the number of late nights and you know phone calls and emails with government officials and all that stuff that would have you know gone into ensuring you know not only a safe experience but um as close to the regular experience as possible even though obviously it's not like other years and it can't be like other years we don't want it to feel so completely different than other years like how can we still deliver that you know top notch you know experience for our audiences because ultimately that's what we care the most about like all the filmmakers that come through Toronto it's sort of like a cliche and you know i i edit the year the sort of like wrap up trailer every year and it's sort of it ends up coming up over and over again every year but it's like every all these filmmakers who come they always say like toronto has the best audiences and i think that's really true so we wanted to make sure that we gave those audiences the best possible experience we could under the circumstances and obviously you know things were different this year but i think for the most part, we, we delivered on that. And as I sort of said, when, when the festival launched, I think I tweeted out something along the lines of like, yeah, it's, it's very different this year, but in many respects, it's the most accessible the festival has ever been because you no longer have to be in Toronto in order to experience TIFF. You know, you can not only experience it from the comfort of your own home, but like if you were in Canada, you could buy a ticket and watch from home. You didn't have to be in Toronto at you know going to a nine a.m. screening or whatever. You, you, you we 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 were able to sort of open it up to a, a, an audience that prior to this you know really wouldn't have been able to experience it, which I think is is really really great.
0: Yeah, that was one thing that we talked about um, how easily it was for us to to watch these movies, and you know for a lot of us we live in remote areas of of Ontario um, and getting there was always a a challenge, finding parking, waiting in line, not getting the best seats, the crampy kind of experience and, and then getting that and getting to watch it. You can now watch it from home. We, we love the experience of TIFF at home. We hope it continues next year.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things of like, I'm, I'm such a huge proponent of theaters. I think there is no substitute for the the theatrical experience and i'm and and part of that is just because i'm so bad at not going on my phone if i'm at home but like if i'm in a theater with other people i you know i respect that social contract of like i'm my phone is staying in my pocket until the lights come up um but yeah i just, i think there's something so special about that communal experience of watching something with other people and i think all of us at tiff feel that way but we also recognize that there are benefits to being able to watch things from home at your own leisure on your own schedule um when it's convenient um and i certainly for you know for for people like the press and industry who have to try and like cram all these movies in and you know rush from theater to theater like for them it, i'm sure it was a much more pleasant experience being able to just you know pull it up on their their tv at home but you know especially midnight madness like i, I Midnight Madness is one of those things that you can't really describe because it's it's something you truly do have to experience for yourself. And um, although, you know, that being said, from what I heard, the the Midnight Madness driving experience this year was, you know, right up there with some of the, the sort of classic Midnight Madness um, TIFF experiences. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see where, you know. Where the what the festival looks like next year? Obviously, nobody knows what what the world will look like in September of 2021. I th- I think we would all you know hope that we're back to normal, but uh, we may not be. And so, that being said, now that we've sort of done this once, it's it's how do we how do we take this experience and and improve on it and make it even better if we have to continue down this path? Like, I think we've we learned a lot and can bring a lot of learning to the next festival. So it'll be interesting to see.
0: What was your uh, first Midnight Madness?
3: Uh, well, it's so funny because um, I, I, I mentioned that when I first moved to Toronto, that was the first time I went to TIFF. That was also the last time I went to TIFF until I started working there because uh, I was always just... With school and then working, like September is always sort of like when production ra- starts to ramp up for a lot of, you know, TV shows and, and stuff. So I had never been to TIFF again until I started working there. And even when I was working there, I was so busy that I never really got to go see movies. But it was, um, I guess it was two years ago when Halloween was premiered at midnight madness and so we got tickets to it i sort of say it was the unofficial midnight madness screening because it was such a hot ticket that they added a second screening at eleven thirty. so it wasn't technically midnight but it was under the midnight madness banner and that was really cool like getting to see um the new halloween movie in the presence of jamie lee curtis and you know they had a guy show up as michael myers and come out on stage it was (laughs) it was really cool um and what was even cooler was that earlier that day we interviewed jamie lee curtis um oh i can't now the name jamie lee curtis david gordon green andy matichuk and i can't believe i'm blanking on her name because she always talks about how she's the one that everyone knows you know her uh she plays um she's in arrested development eyes up here michael oh crap what's her name um, okay. Now I'm, now I'm going to have to Google it because it's going to drive me insane. Uh, da, 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 Halloween 2018. Oh, I can't cut all this out. Um, no,
1: no. Judy Greer. Judy. Greer.
3: Judy. <laughs> yeah. Greer, yeah. So earlier in the day, uh, earlier in the day, we, we got to interview Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, Annie Matichuk and David Gordon Green. So it was like this really cool thing of like, we heard them talk about the movie for 45 minutes. And then that night, went and saw the movie and, and got to see everything that they were talking. It was, it, that was a really, really cool experience. Um, and that's, that's awesome. the thing I love the most about working at TIFF is like, it's not so much just the movies we get to see, but it's really the people and the filmmakers that come through our offices and that we get to like chat with, or even just like pass in the halls. Uh, one day like Ron Howard was just like sitting on the couches and I sort of did a double take and was like, is that is that Ron Howard? Like it's just yeah, it's that's the cool thing about working here is is the amazing, brilliant people that we get to to meet and talk with and learn. Yeah, I think there's well. a
1: there's like a I think there's something about just Canada in general that I think is a is a peaceful for a lot of uh, especially Americans coming in. They were just like oh, it's very just relaxed and just like people are just like, obviously people are excited that they're there, but I think our, like our culture here is just a lot different um, than what a lot of, I think actors and directors may be used to, unless they're working here for an arc shooting here and using our crews here. But um, going back to um, the festival this year though, like what Anthony and the were saying earlier, I, I it's been, it was for the films that we saw, it was very, flawless like everything worked like the app literally was just i i again i don't know what i was expecting uh because when you hear something oh this is going to be an online event you're always wondering like okay like is it going to be just through a website or like i i literally was just like can i even watch this on my tv <laughs> like i had to i had to like i had to like look and i was like oh man there there's an actual tiff apple tv app like this is this is really well thought out Yeah. Um And I guess in the time that you guys had to put it all together as well, too, right? That's that's pretty amazing.
3: Yeah. I mean, I shout out has to go to our web team. Um, They worked their butts off. Like, I mean, they they are an amazing they are such a small team and such a powerful team to begin with. But to pull together what they were able to pull together in the amount of time that they pulled together is truly astonishing and they deserve all the, all the credit and accolades. Like, I mean, you know, (laughs) they're writing news articles and everything about how great the festival experience was and, and that's wonderful. And it was, but like, they should be writing articles about what these people were able to pull off because it really was, it was not an easy feat. And, and, um, you know, we had to upload some of our videos and stuff. So like I, I had like a small taste of the amount of work that needed to be done. And it's just it is really, really incredible that they were able to pull it off so seamlessly and deliver such an amazing experience. Because, yeah, like I've I've done sort of not like virtual film festivals, but like I've, we've all been there where we've like bought something digitally and then you don't really know what to expect. And then it ends up being like, oh, well, you could only watch this in or in Chrome on your Mac Like you can't stream it to your TV. And like, so the fact that, yeah, like you said, to, to be able to just like pull up an Apple TV app, it execute flawlessly. I I can't remember which film, I think it was Nomadland. Like it even had like a surround mix and it worked. Like, I was just like, I was blown away too at just how smooth and easy and beautifully everything worked. Like they, they really knocked it out of the park. Um, So they deserve all, all of the credit and applause to to our web team for for pulling off what they did because that was that was no no easy feat the amount of stuff that they had to do in in such a short amount of time that's sort of the thing that we kept saying was like we basically have to learn two brand new business models in 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 basically two months you know how do you how do you do uh drive-ins and how do you do online we have to figure that out and um i like to think that that they managed so yeah, yeah no, I, I think I, we I can agree. all agree. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like how you guys handled both
2: things, I again, we were surprised as to how well it all worked. Like, you didn't need to make a fancy app; you just needed to make an app that was that was functional, and that's what it was. It got us into the movie. It didn't lag. Uh, it streamed in perfect quality that we needed. So I was I was really blown away. Um, but I gotta ask did you did you watch anything at TIFF this year? And if you did, what what was one of your favorites?
3: Yeah, it's funny the again like the the beauty of this experience this year was like because i so i don't live downtown so normally when festival is happening i you know i have to crash at a friend's place or whatever and i'm working very very long hours so i don't really get a chance to see many films whereas this year i was at home i you know could could watch something while i had dinner or whatever so i did actually get to see more films this year than any other film or any other year um and so i i watched i didn't that being said i didn't watch a ton because i i still was busy and was you know we had a lot to do but i was able to take a, a little bit of time out to to check out nomadland um get the hell out which was a midnight madness pick and um the film that i of the of the ones I watched that I think I liked the most, which was Regina King's one Night in Miami, which was such a i didn't really know what to expect i had done i'd produced the q and a with them and and they it they spoke so highly of it and and i it intrigued me enough that I was like, okay, I really want to see this, but if I'm being totally honest, I was mostly watching it because Leslie Odom jr was in it, and I am such a big musical theater nerd that anything with Aaron Burr from Hamilton, like I'll, I'll watch that. Um, but yeah, I was really blown away by just, you know, for a feature debut, she, she put together one hell of a film. It's, um, it's incredibly powerful, incredibly timely, you know, that I don't think, and they, they, they said as much, they were like, when we were shooting this, I don't think any of us anticipated that we would be coming out now, but to be coming out now in, in the climate that they are mm. rele- they were releasing i mean it 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 really was it was powerful and poignant and um yeah it was it for me it was definitely you know i i th- nomadland won audience choice and i think it was um the first runner up and i'm i'm not surprised it i mean those that's that's good company to be in those two movies they 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 pack a punch for sure.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I definitely agree. I think, I think that was – it was a movie that lingered on your mind after you watched it. I kept thinking about it over and over again because sometimes I feel when movies are being made from plays to natural film, you know, it's hard to capture it. But I think they did such a good job, especially the song and the end credits. I, I keep oh, man, thinking about waited. it and I'm waiting for them to finally release it because I, obviously it's its original song. So,
3: I'm excited for whenever that comes out too. Yeah, that that the last I I sort of said it's worth it's worth seeing alone for the that final musical sequence uh is just I mean not not to say that the rest of the movie isn't worth seeing but it's like that, that it, it was just such a perfect ending to the film and so powerful and so emotional and um yeah that one that it it just sort of it it packs a wallop for sure.
1: Do you have any like I guess in the in the the amount of festivals that you've worked so far um do you have any like standout experiences working with like directors or actors that you've you've come across so far in your in your time at the festival like i know you you were mentioned like you obviously produce a lot of videos and content so not to put one above the other but is there is there somebody that you've met or spoken with that has really like made a profound
3: impact on you um yeah i mean this is the question that. I'm asked the most of like who's the coolest person you've met while working there and it's like, you know, I I I have been, you know, lucky in that a lot of cool people have come through and and you know, both big names, household names and then smaller smaller names that, you know, unless you're a big film nerd like we are, maybe aren't that interesting. Um my first festival like the first big thing that I worked on um or first sort of like big interview that i worked on was we interviewed jim carrey which that was really cool because i don't think a we didn't know what to expect it's like jim carrey is jim carrey and you sort of he has this reputation but the thing that was so incredible about that interview was that he was so normal like he was not it was this weird thing of like he came into the edit or into the 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 suite where we were shooting and he was really humble and he you know he introduced himself to every single person who was there he looked you in the eye he said hi i'm jim he shook your hand he was just so nice he opened up and was very open and honest in the interview and then as soon as we wrapped he walked out into the office where you know there's a bigger group of people and then all of a sudden he was jim carrey he was goofing around he was like pulling funny faces and like so it was really neat that we got to see like I think that we got to see like a, a, the more human side and not the performer side. So that was really right. cool and memorable. Uh, and then last festival, uh, I got to interview Alex Gibney, the documentary filmmaker who is in terms of documentary filmmakers is easily one of the greatest and certainly one of my absolute favorites. And that was incredibly nerve wracking. Cause it's like, okay, I'm going to ask questions to a guy who has questions for a living. Like this is going <laughs> to be weird. Um, but he was, yeah, he was just, again, it was just such a great experience and a learning experience. And just, um, that was just really cool. Like, and again, it's it's not somebody that, you know, most people would necessarily care about. Like, that's one of those names that, again, for us film nerds, like, that's really cool. But, you know, to my parents, they're like, who's that? Like, what movies has he made? Right. But that's sort of what I love about working there is that you you sort of get both sides. You get to meet some of the bigger names and people like jamie lee curtis or jim carrey or uh kate winslet or whatever but then you also get to meet these the sort of craftspeople that maybe aren't household names like like alex gibney or we interviewed david cap the uh screenwriter for jurassic park and the 1996 mission impossible movie which i would like i grew up watching that movie weekly um we interviewed uh, Tim Miller, the guy which is act- Tim Miller, who directed Deadpool uh, and the Deadpool, new Terminator yeah. movie. But Fincher Connection and why I was so excited. He's the guy who directed the opening title sequence for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So mm-hmm. he did, obviously, yeah. I just wanted to talk to him about <laughs> that for 40 minutes. But he was, you know, and and the coolest thing about it, talking with him is like we, we, you know, we have a set amount of time to do these interviews he didn't want to leave. Like he just wanted to keep talking with us because I think one of the things that we strive to do is we don't, we don't try to do like press junk interviews. Like we, we really want to dig into like the craft of filmmaking. Of course. of So course. we we're asking like, not to say that other people don't ask deep questions, but it's like, we're asking questions that are maybe on a very different level from, you know, what your typical like entertainment show would be asking. And I think the, the people we interview really appreciate that because they don't normally get to talk with other movie nerds. the same extent so that was really cool like literally his publicist had to pull him like out of the suite downstairs to go do his intro because he just wanted to keep talking about bergman and fincher and and all this other stuff so yeah i mean like i said it's it's crazy that this is my job you know i never would i never would have thought that this is what i would get paid to do so yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, last week we talked a lot about, you know,
2: Fincher and Seven. We, we asked the question to each other about what was our introduction to Seven, but now we got to ask you now, what was your induction to Seven or I guess Fincher in general?
3: Well, it's really funny. So, A... I one of you made the joke of like oh I was seven when Seven came out oh no no I I wasn't well I actually was seven when Seven came out when you said that I like did the math and I was like holy shit I was seven when I when Seven came out like what are the odds I did not see it when I was seven it was it's so funny I I distinctly remember this weekend it was a weekend in the summer between grade nine and ten. I went to Blockbuster uh, for younger listeners. Blockbuster was a place where you would go to <laughs> rent movies. It was before <laughs> Netflix. Um, and I rented four movies, uh, <laughs> Fight Club, Seven, Requiem for a Dream, and The Exorcist. Man. You're having- <laughs> wow. That and is mean, so it, weird. Yeah, it was a wild weekend. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's so funny, too, because like, it was one of those things of like there was a connection between each movie because like Seven was obviously made by Fincher. And so was Fight Club and Fight Club had Jared Leto, who was also in Requiem, who which had Ellen Burstyn, who was also in The Exorcist. So it was like this weird, like six degrees of separation that I didn't even intend. But so, yeah, so in the same weekend, I saw both Fight Club and Seven. And I distinctly remember, like prior to that, everybody talked about Fight Club. Like that was the movie you had to see. But I remember coming away from it being like, I think I like Seven more. Like, I think this is more my kind of jam like i really liked fight club and it's obviously a brilliant film but like as someone who loves like mysteries and thrillers and and procedurals and all that stuff like there was something about seven that just spoke to me and became like for the longest time was my favorite fincher movie and then zodiac came out which was sort of like more of the same and that became my favorite and then the girl with a dragon tattoo came out and I saw it four times in the theater, I think, or three times, three or four times in the theater because I just like, I loved that movie so much, which is so, (laughs) I don't, if we were doing a video podcast, I'd show, I, I got to go to like, I literally, I remember I went to the AMC to go see some other movie and they're like, Hey, we're giving out free tickets to a preview screening. Do you want to go? And I was like, okay. I had no idea what it was for. And they're like, oh, it's for the new David Fincher movie. So I went to this like it was a public pre-screening of the girl with the dragon tattoo and everyone who went got a free poster. So I have that poster in my office and it's hanging like behind me. So uh, so I saw the movie for free, loved it so much. I brought my now wife, then girlfriend. I took her and then I think I went like there was one day after work where I was just like. I kind of feel like going to see girl with the dragon tattoo again. it was like cheap Tuesday. So I just like, I just went to Cineplex and watched it again. So yeah, I, and I now watch it at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. Like I'm, I'm, I love that movie for some reason. I don't know what it is about it, but um, yeah, I just, I adore it. What other Fincher movies do you enjoy watching? I mean, I, all of them really like I, the only one that I won't watch uh again i'll like is benjamin button it's such a weird i always say like that benjamin button is like a three-hour tech demo like it's really impressive what they did but i just the story and the overall like it just left no impression on me beyond like oh it's cool that they did this like aging and de-aging and all that stuff but it just didn't really do anything for me and and in fairness it's sort of like the weird outlier in his filmography because it is such a like traditional Hollywood kind of movie that it doesn't have the sort of like dark undertones that all his other stuff does Mm -hmm. um but i like even alien 3 like i like alien i think alien 3 gets a bad rap like it's not it's It's not not alien but it's not as terrible as everyone sort of made it out to be i think it's you can sort of see the the finchery thing creeping in and you start to get a sense of like Okay, like this is someone, and I understand too why he obviously was unhappy with it. But like the problems with it are not the they're not related to the fact that David Fincher directed it. It's related to the fact that the studio just mangled mm-hmm. it to to hell. Yeah. But um, it's so, and he was a first
1: time director too. I mean, like yeah, he probably exactly. didn't have that that like that that voice yet to really be like, hey this is my movie. Let me, this is what
3: it's going to be. But it's, the thing that's so interesting when you watch his work is just how every sort of, and most filmmakers are like this, but like every film sort of builds on the foundation of the previous film, both in a technical level. Like if you look at the way that his team works and how he sort of, he in many ways revolutionized like the digital cinema filmmaking technique, like, you know, he i mean red basically made a special camera just for him um but like zodiac was cut with final cut pro and then subsequent yeah it was they 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 moved to to premiere and all this stuff and they've they've these post-production apps that regular people like you and i use really got to where they are because of Filmmakers like him being like, I need this. Can you make it happen? And then they make it happen. So right, but yeah, it's so interesting because I went back and I sort of rewatched. I rewatched Zodiac recently, and I I thought it was just sort of struck by, you know, it does this. Int- it's kind of like two movies. It's like there's the movie following Robert graysmith and then there's the movie following Dave to- uh, Tosky, the, the the detective, and then they kind of like meet in the middle, and 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 join sort of like at the end as the two, the two investigators as it were comes together. But that's something that he then subsequently does again with the girl with the dragon tattoo. Although I think he does it to much better effect of like, there's these two narratives that are sort of happening simultaneously. And you're sort of like, okay, well why, who are these people? How are they interconnected? But then they sort of like merge and become one story. And it's like, it's just, again, it's sort of like, it's this thing that he, he, he did once before but then he does it again and improves on it um and then yeah obviously just from like a technical standpoint like every single one of his films is just so gorgeous to look at Mm -hmm. and granted a lot of that is because you know he's he's uh he's finessing every single detail in the frame and for, for people who maybe aren't super nerds like us like watch one of the behind the scenes features on you know the social network or the girl with the dragon tattoo be- and you start to realize just how much of what you're seeing is actually one big special effect because he's oh my god he's yeah cutting, especially in zodiac yeah he's yeah. cutting together like six different takes from yeah you know the best take of each performer and they're doing split screens and all this stuff and mixing it all together and it's totally seamless but he's doing it because he wants to get that absolutely pitch perfect performance. And, you know, that may not be to everybody's taste because there's something to be said for like, you know, what was done on the day is what was done on the day. And if you're constructing it all in post, like, is is that really the, tr- you know, true filmmaking or whatever? But I, I think he does such a magnificent job and it's so seamless that like clearly it works
1: yeah like um, i remember seeing the uh the behind the scenes for gone girl and i just seeing like the the fx breakdown of that i'm like just third neighborhood i'm like that what like there's why are they like there's so many green screens you don't even realize how seamless he's making this yeah and i remember I mean, <laughs> <laughs> It's go ahead sorry
3: no i was just gonna say like the the running the running trope on on twitter and stuff is how like oh cgi is ruining movies blah 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 and i i get that but the thing that people don't realize is just how much cgi we're seeing and not realizing like bad cgi Mm -hmm. is bad but good cgi is invisible and like again if if you go and go on youtube and find the visual effects breakdown for the girl with the dragon tattoo that this is a movie that i've watched countless times but hadn't actually sat down to watch that until you know, a, a year or two ago. And I was blown away because I was like, holy crap, like half of this stuff is entirely digital. Like it's yeah. not even there. And I had no idea. And it's still like watching it today. Like it's still, it's so seamless. They do such incredible, incredible work. Um It's, it's kind of mind blowing. Like some of the stuff they do.
0: Another director that kinda, he kind of reminds me of when it comes to like how cg is utilized in his films um is uh denny mm-hmm. you don't really notice other than his you know blade runner and Dune that's coming out but all his other films that utilize cg that you you think is real like these are real things that are in the scene but they're all digitally created so yeah you're right like depending on the the director if they know and they have an eye for how cg could be utilized in their films it could be a huge um improvement
3: Yeah. And it's, it's also about understanding the, you know, pushing the boundaries of what's possible, but also understanding the limits of the technology and using that to, to your benefit. You know, I, I sort of said like Zodiac was famously shot digitally, edited digitally, um, all the Robert blood.
1: Downey Jr. peeing in mason
3: jars because <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a break yeah exactly and I mean they all the blood in that movie is is digital and you kind of can tell like it it doesn't quite look right but Fincher said like I need to be able to turn I want to do as many takes as possible and if I have to clean up blood every time we're going to be here all day so he's like I'm just going to do it digitally and it's, it's not quite there but then you get to again the girl with the dragon tattoo same thing like all of the blood all of these like effects are done digitally and you would have no idea. Like you literally look at it and it's it's pixel perfect. Like maybe at 4K you would notice. I don't know. But like it's you but again, it's 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 all in service of telling a story. It's not in service of like, look what we can do with CGI. Look how flashy it can be. It's it's all meant to just how can I tell the story the best way possible and, you know, make it make things as clear as as I can for the audience. And that's I think what sort of separates his films from the sort of big CGI blockbusters that, you know, you know, that Marvel is putting up, for example, like, sure. It's, it's a totally different type of filmmaking for sure, but it's amazing what you can do with the tools if you know how to use them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: no, it's true. I mean, his, his behind the scenes and on almost all of his films are just so fantastic. I love, listening to every single one of his commentaries especially gone girl he starts it off so funny <laughs> <laughs> even when he talks exactly about the social talk- network <laughs> is it the scene where he talks about uh, julian jacobs not keeping it a secret i just it's so funny to me the way he 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 has such a i don't give a fuck kind of attitude that it's so perfect for films and I'm sitting here beside my uh, David Fincher throw pillow and it's not of his face. I promise you it's of all, if it's, it's of all his movies and I absolutely love looking at this thing and I can't wait to add mank to this pillow. How, mm-hmm. you know, how are you looking forward to that film?
3: Like how excited are you for that movie? I mean, I'm obviously I, I watch, I would watch David Fincher direct the phone book, uh, <laughs> a terrible metaphor to death. I, I'm really intrigued by it because it's again, like Benjamin Button, it's really mm-hmm. a step in a very different direction. I, I, I read I, I didn't realize this until recently. Like his dad wrote the script, which yes. is yep. fascinating. You know, it's based on a true story, it's a period piece, it's entirely in black and white. Like it's gonna look gorgeous no matter what. But yeah, I I'm very interested because again, as someone who likes thrillers and likes that genre and that's very much sort of his thing this is at least my understanding is this is a step away from that so it'll be interesting to see him make something a little bit outside his comfort zone um but i i think he's such a phenomenal filmmaker that he he definitely will be able to it's just and you know the cast too is amazing i mean Gary right. Owen, like you can't really go wrong with i'll watch him, him anything yeah
1: and you uh, got that Netflix money behind it as well, too, right? And so. you got that
3: Netflix money behind it. So I mean, you know, and Netflix has been good to him, you know. House of Cards, oh, yeah. obviously very successful. Uh and Mindhunter was very successful. Um Yeah, and and I I think this would be his first theatrical release since Mindhunter, right? Uh pretty much since Gone Girl, yeah. yeah, and, and and yeah. So this is him stepping back, you know, he was doing TV for a while and now he's stepping back into doing you know a feature so it it will be interesting to see what again how how you know building on the foundation of what he's done in the past like what what lessons will he take from you know long form narrative storytelling back to sort of the roots of you know a traditional you know 90 120 well his movies tend to be a little bit longer than 120 minutes but you know it, i'll be interested to see how it plays out and and what what that pacing is like and 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 all that and just again like a David Fincher period piece is a very, that's a very interesting uh, elevator pitch.
1: Oh, easily,
0: easily 100%.
3: Moving on from
0: Fincher, what other, what other shows or movies have you been watching uh, during this uh, stay at home pandemic? Uh,
3: Well, I'm, we, the aforementioned uh, Ted Lasso, which I said is an absolute must watch for everybody. It's it is literally worth the price of admission to Apple TV+. I think it's one of the best shows. Not just like on Apple TV, but it is the best show on Apple TV+, but it's I think it's the best show I've seen in the last year probably. Um, not like obviously Watchmen is a very different tone, but not since Watchmen for have sure. I have I found a show that just I can't wait for the next week to come so I can watch the next episode. It's such um, a feel good show. It's honestly, it's 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 the show we all need right now with yeah, it's like warm, a warm hug. Yeah, exactly. And Sedacus is so funny in it and uh so charming and it's just it's it's yeah, it's a must watch. Um we also during the pandemic the show that we started and then subsequently finished with Shits Creek, which just in time for its big Emmy win. That's another one that if you haven't watched Shits Creek yet, it you know, it's it's such a great It's another show that's perfect for this time because it's just, it's funny. It's, it's charming. It's, it's just joyous. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful show. And obviously it just swept the Emmys. So, you know, now, now is a great time to get into it if you haven't. And then, um, I also started watching the third day and yeah, you guys mentioned it on the last show. It's, it's, it is definitely, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Sleep No More, the the sort of theatrical performance in New York City. Um, it's it's immersive theater, so it's basically like the audience is participating in the play as it's happening, and so it's oh. from the same guys who did that. So that's why I'm like intrigued enough that I would want to keep going, especially because my understanding is that there's three episodes that air. And then they're doing like a 24 hour live televised event that takes you that sort of basically bridges the gap between part one and part two. So yeah, it's just, it sounds like I'm intrigued enough that I'm like, I want to keep watching it to see like what they're going to do, but I'm also kind of like, it's just, it's very weird. And I don't know if it's my cup of tea, but I'm, I'm intrigued enough to keep going and Jude law is so great. So, um, but other than that, yeah, I mean with, how much work we had to do in the lead up to the festival. I didn't really have time to sort of sink my teeth into much else beyond. Uh, the other thing too, was like many other people I played the last of us too. So when oh, I could yeah. be watching TV, oh, I was playing the last of us. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a, a whole other type of storytelling in and of itself, but I would put it up there with, you know, some of the best narrative fiction out there. I mean, it's, it's an absolutely must experience um, game. And I would be—I uh, would kick myself later. But spoiler cast
1: available now on the movie podcast feed, uh, featuring Matt Rohrbeck of the Untitled Movie Podcast and
3: Nate uh, Shelton
1: of Geekcentric.
3: Yeah, and then I—I I, what oh, I'm trying to think of what else. I think I'd, also too. I was just sort of revisiting a lot of old favorites like. Um, I watched knives out again. And then that sent me down the sort of, of rewatching like murder mysteries. Um, yep. I watched, I rewatched clue the movie, which is always, that was one of my favorites growing up and it still holds up. It's such a great movie. Um, I mean, yeah. Knives I, out is a great film. Oh, I, I adore knives out. Yeah. Which again, premiered at, t- I think, it pre- yeah, it I think that t- was t- the world premiere.
1: Uh, we uh, actually, uh, Nive- a- yeah. And we're actually going to have uh, Nathan Johnson on the show next week. No, oh, no way. So, it's amazing. Yeah. So we're going to talk to him about his score and his work and everything, too. So, you know, he has to follow you up, though. That's the thing. Well, so-
3: he will definitely have far more interesting stories to tell. And he is definitely, without question, far more talented than I am. But um, <laughs> yeah, his work is incredible. Like that. I remember seeing Brick for the first time and being obsessed with that score. So yeah we're we're really excited, but honestly like adam i I feel like I'm looking
1: at the time and we've been talking for almost an hour, but it feels like we just scratched the surface, so like i I'm so thankful and and i'm I'll speak for Shane and anthony like we're we're so thankful to 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 have you on the show finally. I know it's something that like you and I have discussed before, and um we really appreciate your insight obviously into the world of tiff and just who you are as a person as well too, if our listeners wanted to. Follow you on the socials. Uh, feel free to plug anything or anything that you're doing right now. Plug anything that you want people to check out of yours.
3: Yeah. I mean, I am very uncreative when it comes to coming up with social media tags. So all of my stuff is just at Adam Schools. Um, and if you want to watch my the stuff I make for TIFF, you can follow all of our TIFF social media channels and our YouTube channel, especially, which is where we post, like I said, our interviews and original content. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, that's kind of like, I, that's it. Like it's just at Adam schools. I mean, I don't really have anything up and coming cool to promote. Like some people, it's certainly not like uh, Nathan Johnson would, but um, (laughs) thank you guys so much for having me. I hope I didn't bore your audience. I have a tendency to just, ramble on so i i do apologize but uh no you're great you were great man it was a pleasure well, and it was so fun getting to talk to you guys and talk about tiff and uh yeah and just talk about my favorite movies and all that stuff so i i anytime you guys want to chat i am available because uh you know it's not like anybody's doing anything right now with this <laughs> right going
1: well adam again Thank you. Um, We'd love to have you back. So, we will definitely take you up on that offer. And for all of Adam's socials and what he's doing at TIFF, we're going to have that linked in our show notes as well. So, you listening right now on your phone or wherever you're listening to us, if you're driving, pull over, check out the show notes. Uh, You could follow follow Adam um, across all his socials. So, thank you for that. And Adam, again, thank you for joining us today.
3: Thank you so much for having me, guys. This was so much fun. It was so nice to actually interact with other human beings, <laughs> which I haven't really <laughs> been doing much of for the last six months. So this was this was much needed. So thank you again.
0: Thank you so much, Adam, for joining our show today. As always, you can catch a new episode of the Movie Podcast every Monday morning on all your favorite podcast streaming services. Um, please check us out on the instagram and twitter by following the movie podcast and don't forget to leave us a review on apple podcasts and join our discord where we talk about the movie podcast (laughs) more movies uh we know we missed trivia last week
1: we're actually going to take a break uh this week and next week that way we could have a proper rotation so everybody has an equal opportunity to win those sweet sweet points Uh, but it will be making its grand return so if you have any trivia questions for us send them in
0: yeah That was This Time with the Movie
1: Podcast. And we will see you next.